0: Yeah!
1: When that robot voice comes in, you know it's time to begin, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. D.L.C. Especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Or, hey, maybe you're uh, out in the yard doing some yard work. Maybe you're walking the dog. Maybe you're dropping your kids off for the first day of school. Whatever the case, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90-plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They bring the show to you, and in return, they get some really cool stuff, including ad free episodes, a video version of the show, and our bonus show, weekly bonus show, an entire extra program we call paid DLC, and it features. The lovely, the amazing, the wonderful Lana Bashinsky alongside myself and Christian Spicer. Check it out. If you want to experience the uh, uh, disorganized chaos that is the paid DLC program, I highly recommend checking out patreon.com slash DLC pod. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Canada, that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, once again, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's making his triumphant return after wandering aimlessly across the
0: United States. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. It is, one, let me say, good to be back, two- great to know that i was able to step away from something for as long as i stepped away from it and just know that i was able to leave it in such capable hands of lana's and also you were on the show um it's just really (laughs) you know christian i wish i could say you were missed but no
1: that's uh, what i were fantastic
0: let me just say the shows were fantastic while you were gone that's what I appreciate. I appreciate they were, they were really good shows and you constantly took little snipes at me every week, yeah, yeah. which is like, you know, like, like uh, family. So it felt, it felt good to, to be You weren't to any of that.
1: You weren't supposed to hear that. Uh, I did not expect you to be listening.
0: Oh, that's but. all. I have an edit of just that. It's like, welcome to, he's not missed, uh, Cowabunga <laughs> Collection, what an idiot. Oh, Christian would have loved this. What a dum-dum. And it's just a, it's just a, a sweet edit is off.
1: Well, how was your vacation? You, you were, you went to Wyoming and, and you were, based on the pictures you texted me, it looked like like the, the two moments where you found cell phone service, like in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I got these extraordinary, spectacular uh, visions of wildlife and beautiful lakes. It looked like a, a magical experience.
0: Yeah, and that was just Red Dead Redemption Two graphics. Still, oh. like the game still holds up. You got, really you got so, me. You uh, got me. I was wondering it was why you were riding that horse and walking so slowly, but. dude. I just opening a drawer at my in laws' house took me so long, but it was worth it because it, it made <laughs> it feel. What did you authentic. find in there? <laughs> nothing. Nothing of nothing of note. Um, I think we could dive in like on Wednesday and maybe spend some time on that on Wednesday's chats. But I will say it was ah. awesome. It was great to to step away for a little bit, and now I feel refocused uh you know it's really hard to come back from vacation and be like uh oh, guess i gotta play video games again
1: <laughs> yeah well we we did you no favors by uh recording this one slightly earlier in the morning than we normally do but that's okay that's okay you know what this is gonna be an awesome episode i can tell already we have a jam-packed show so much to get to and we have an awesome guest joining us you know that dlc always stands for your downloadable content. And you're downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, I'm so excited because DLC stands for darkness, lights, and critters because we have game developer and animator currently working on Be Gone Beast. Tomasz Jack is with us.
2: Welcome, Tomasz. Hello. Great to be here. Really awesome to join both of you, especially to be here as Christian has just returned. So that's exciting.
1: Yes. Um, The return of Christian, the great return of the Jedi. We, we, (laughs) he's back. (laughs)
0: it was revenge for for weeks but then i last i I finally listened to last week's paid dlc and i was like oh i guess i'll just return i don't need to bring my revenge
1: (laughs) uh tomash i'm so excited to talk to you uh and and i want to find out a little bit about the game that you're working on it's uh it's an indie game called be gone beast uh -hmm. and um you and your partner are are kind of doing this from scratch all by yourselves right Yes,
2: that is true. It's, uh, me and my wife, Clarissa Bernardo. So she's the programmer. I'm the artist and we've just been working on it as a team of two for a, for a
1: while now. So it's, how does uh, been that very. Work? I mean, not just, uh, as a, as a husband and wife team, which mm-hmm. I, I'm sure has its own dynamics, but <laughs> how does it, how does it work having your head down working on something for a long period of time before? There's any revenue coming in how how do you how do you manage that How does an indie project like this happen? Well, it's pretty stressful, Jeff. I think <laughs> 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 um,
2: uh, no, but uh, I, you know, I I was in AAA for for many years, almost a decade, and so there's definitely been a nice like sort of slowing down um, in terms of just really getting back into just making a game, not necessarily like talking to lots of people and kind of just letting myself be in my head. Um, the downsides of that, are, I think, are definitely and, I, and I'm sure anybody who's tried to make something uh, has experienced this, which is it's really easy to go into kind of downward spirals when you don't have like a group of people around you to kind of, <clears throat> you know, recognize when that's happening or, or talk to. Uh, and so I definitely try to utilize like my peers out there. But uh, but in general, um, it's just kind of exciting. I, I think like there's something fun about uh, pursuing an idea or things that just because they're meaningful to you rather than, um, you know, necessarily justifying them through like kind of market research and things like that. Um, that stuff's definitely important, too, at, uh, you know, in terms of making money and, and being sort of a good business. But uh, I definitely enjoyed the sort of process, although somewhat, you know, wandering may it be uh to just kind of like follow my whims for a while before we kind of landed on something that was that felt like okay we could maybe ship this
1: and pursue it kind of well realistically. let's talk a little bit about what that idea ended up being what what i mean obviously this is a labor of love what what is the idea that you coalesced around that Begone, beast will be
2: Sure. Uh, so the the initial idea, so Clarice and I go to Halloween Horror Nights every year, if you're familiar with that, at Universal Studios. Um, and uh, and we really kind of liked the idea of, okay, we're clustered together as a group. You're in this sort of safe space, but it's spooky, it's scary. Um, you're kind of laughing at each other as, as someone is startled or, or screaming. And it has a really nice energy. I think co-op plus spooky or scary works really well uh, for us. And uh, and we did a bunch of prototyping, uh, basically since 2019. But last year, about this time, we we started the prototype that would become Begone Beast, and uh, we decided to kind of embrace the formula of Left for Dead. And so, looking at kind of a Left for Dead like uh, in a world where we remove the barriers of entry of first person shooter and kind of total horror uh, uh, aspect of it, and so top down hack and slash spooky vibe instead of straight up horror vibe um and we hadn't really seen a game that kind of mirrored left 4 dead that had that a lot of games i mean they're great but they're they're all kind of feeding into that first person shooter horror aspect which is awesome for someone like me but it really limits who i can play that with because those are two pretty big barriers to entry in a lot of ways Um, and so we thought what would be like a very entry level left for dead and, and something you could play with a lot of people in your life? Because the AI director, I mean, I don't know how much you're probably familiar with left for dead and stuff. But sure. AI director is such one of the I think the coolest things in the games industry to just just this concept of it. And so we're having a lot of fun sort of in a systems driven uh, kind of procedural generated AI directed world. And uh, that's been really satisfying for us.
1: Oh man, the, the screenshots and and video on on the website, uh, you can find it at begonebeast.com. Uh it looks uh, a adorable and awesome and it looks like so much fun in co-op. I love I I'm a huge fan of top-down isometric perspective just in general and uh, the idea of doing left for dead in that perspective with, you know, adorable creatures, critters, it, it's just a great idea and uh I can't wait to play it. Are we are are you in the home stretch? Do you have a an idea of when this might be something that people can play?
2: So um, all of this is highly, highly uh, big guesses, but we're we're kind of working toward, um, I think the soonest we could get something is we're going to be at PAX, uh, PAX West coming up just in a few weeks. Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, we're hopefully bringing a, a new demo there. We had a demo at GDC uh, th- earlier this year. Um, And that kind of uh, garnered a lot more interest than we were expecting. And so that was a nice surprise. Um, We're now taking an updated demo to PAX. And we're hoping to basically have a very sort of, uh, I think the term is community validated deployment, which is basically we just want to have a lot of folks playing the game as we're building it. And so we're hoping to release demos pretty regularly um, starting kind of, you know, end of this year. Um, and then from there, we'd like to, you know, head towards some sort of larger release uh, in about a year. But we don't know what that exactly will look like. We have to see kind of how it's received and what kind of feedback we're getting from the folks that play it.
1: Well, you can sign up for updates at BeGoneBeast.com. I urge everybody listening to at least check it out. It looks like uh, this is going to be a really interesting uh, cool title. So thanks for joining us. Let's uh, let's jump in and start yeah. the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the week it's the story of the week. Hey. Story of the week it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, You can also send us comments or questions or your own reviews, whatever you'd like us to know. We'd love to know it. And you can tell us by sending us emails to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Other ways to talk to us and the community, great folks hanging out on the Discord, which is 5x5DLC on Discord. Really cool folks over there. And the subreddit is also 5x5DLC.reddit.com. Other places you could post stories or talk to uh, like-minded folks. Really cool people hanging out. So join those communities. Take part. But Tomas, uh, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week?
2: Oh, man. Um, well, uh, I was uh, just in the spirit of kind of spooky games. <laughs> um, I'm really interested in this THQ showcase of Alone in the Dark, uh, which uh, – which, I actually um, only sort of watched videos of uh, sort of around the time and after it was released because I was a big scaredy scary cat when I was a youngster and I couldn't play a lot of scary games. Um, but now I've I've really grown into into loving a good spooky, thrilling, scary game, and so I'm really excited for for what it looks like. I'm also a big fan of sort of the new New Orleans vibe, um, and so that that looks really really cool to me.
1: Yeah, we got uh, an entire uh, THQ presentation, the digital showcase for THQ. Uh, as Christian, as you said uh, before we started recording, everybody gets a showcase now. It's uh, every <laughs> publisher has a showcase. Which, hey, I'm not complaining about. I think it's cool. I like I like the fact that these little bespoke, you know, hour, forty five minutes to an hour kind of things. Show me everything. I, I think it's it's convenient. It's useful, and I like how they're all spread out. It's not drinking from a fire hose e3 week anymore it's you know well here we are in august and thq is like oh yeah by the way us too uh <laughs> but uh yeah the first game they showed in the uh in the presentation was the new alone in the dark alone in the dark uh a classic video game franchise i think the first one was released in 1992 uh, which means i i reviewed it in the newspaper when i was 14 uh <laughs> my first job as a reviewer. Um, but yeah, I mean obviously this is uh this is a modern game with modern sensibilities. Um Tomash, I know you, you kind of outlined what you why you are excited about this particular game, but do you have any do you think the IP itself holds weight? Is Alone in the Dark a name that you think um will garner interest just because it's a classic franchise?
2: I mean, I think so. Like I again, I'm not one of the the sort of uh, cult fans of the original, but I still like you know throughout my life recognized that IP in that title. Um, so it must have some kind of spread beyond the the people that played the original or loved the original. Um, I went back to look at the original after you know after having not seen it for a long time, and it was not nearly as scary as, <laughs> as I remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but. But maybe scary through just how, uh, just how clunky the, the sort of interactions were for, I think that actually, you know, if you look back at like the original Resident Evil and stuff too, like the sort of like inex, inac- inaccessibility to your weapons and sort of how slowly you were to access things actually kind of really lend itself to that, that, fear a little bit because it's like oh to get your whatever your rifle out you have to go through this painstaking menu and then watch right. your character play like a four second animation to miss or something you know um and uh i think I, I think it's interesting to see sort of how they called it like a loving recreation or something like that and, and i wonder how how that's gonna um be translated it definitely looked like you know they they made everything much more immediate and sort of modern in that regard but there is something i like about you know i think that's a lot of maybe the reason people love resident evil 4 so much is this sort of like slower pace to it and the kind of like i don't know if intimacy is the right word but this sort of like as a monster slowly coming toward you you have to stop and kind of painstakingly aim kind of right there, there's something really interesting about that to me as a as a designer
1: too yeah, that old school. Uh, you're you're just a tank. You can't move and shoot at the same yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it. Uh Christian, alongside Alone in the Dark this THQ uh digital showcase had a whole bunch of games. There's a AEW wrestling game, there's a there are a number of uh strategy games, RTS, turn-based strategy, Jagged Alliance 3, The Valiant, um uh, Knights of Honor to Sovereign. Uh, even a new South Park game has been uh, hinted at. Uh, do you have any other gothic ones getting a remake, which looked pretty cool? Um, anything that jumped out at you as being interesting from the showcase?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think Alone in the Dark is kind of top there uh, alongside recreation, which I'm surprised in it, or maybe it did. To me, Jeff, that kind of jumps to the top of your list of creating that burnout-like mm-hmm. And recreation, um, to give it the it's this plus this, looks kind of like burnout meets track mania um, yeah. along those lines. I don't think it's you're like, pronouncing
1: it right, though. I think it's rec-reation. <laughs> 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 right? I mean, you got to have I mean, that W on the front real good.
0: <laughs> what what good is a pun if you don't let it just be the word, you know? Yeah, no, so no, you got, my My experience is you always got to hammer it.
1: Make people really know that it's a pun,
0: you know? Uh, Let me try again. So the game, Wah Recreation. (laughs) Oh, um, (laughs) no. It really looks like a a mix of (laughs) track mania and, um, you know, I got to get my emphasis correct. But I think it's an interesting concept in the idea of um, this uh, community contribution, you know, kind of that version of the live game, you know, instead of a game as service that we're kind of more used to now when every game has a battle pass and, and maybe recreation does, I don't know. But like the approach of something like track mania almost feels to me of like a simpler era, <laughs> you know, and some of this leaked stuff, uh, quote unquote leaked stuff we've seen of um, forge mode and halo infinite also harkens back to that of like, Oh, yeah easy tools for players to use and make cool new things and things that the devs maybe didn't even intend in this uh I think it's original halo coined term of thirty seconds of fun and what recreation is doing is smashing cars together right? you know, yeah. like things are always fun smashing cars together and seeing little bits explode off of them. Let's give that and then the tools to make the the madness to the players and Hopefully fun ensues, but I think it's a, a really interesting concept and some of the courses they show, you know, remind me of some of the best Hot Wheels um, Forza Horizon style DLC with tracks just zip Zane and across the skyline and stuff like that. I think it looks really, really interesting
1: yeah you know me i love i love smashing cars so as you said sorry, and- willy willy interesting it looks willy <laughs> yeah, i gotta get <laughs> willy. No, no, that, doesn't, no one, that doesn't have the w <laughs> um yeah I, I i i want more smashing cars uh, chaos games and yeah i like this notion of uh of of, of user generated content like trackmania I, it could be cool and you know i was actually really impressed with this with this uh presentation with how many um strategy games i you know i like a real time strategy that it's a genre that's kind of fallen out of favor but there was a uh, multiple rts games uh i talked about the valiant tempest rising looked really cool a 3d realms and slipgate ironworks game um uh, i thought i thought the uh, presentation itself was a little clunky uh, the presenters were very much people who it seemed to be uh, reading the prompter without knowing the words that were act- they were saying. You know, it was one of those kinds of things where it's like this game is in going to be incredible. You know, it's like well, okay, but maybe believe it instead of anyway. But it was a little clunky. But I thought the games uh, that they showed uh, there was a lot of them, and uh, there were some there were some cool standouts. Uh, we've already talked about a couple: uh, Space for Sale, which is a new base building resource gathering game. Uh, with, with an adorable little, uh, protagonist, uh, looked kind of interesting. Nothing like, oh my gosh, I got to play that. But, uh, but some solid, solid games and, um, Gothic getting a remake, remake was interesting to me. I don't know, Tomas, do you, do you have any love for Gothic? The original Gothic game it came out in 2001. So I don't know how old you were, probably very young, uh, <laughs> but, uh. You know that's the same year that uh, Morrowind came out and Dungeon Siege came out. So it's I don't even think it was the best role playing game that came out the year it originally came out. <laughs> I think it's interesting that we're getting remakes now of games that are sort of like you know I understand when we get the remake of the the GTA Three or the you know these these big or Resident Evil Two or whatever these massive iconic games uh is Shadow of the Colossus, you know, but it's interesting now that remakes are are filtering down to like games that are like it was the third best role playing game that year <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean I that the, the third
2: best against those particularly um are is still pretty good, I would say. Agreed. Um uh, I I didn't play the original Gothic, but I feel like so I was in high school at the time, and I feel like there was like a camp of people that was really into Gothic instead of being into like Morrowind or, or whatever. Um I I uh I I was getting all my games via like People burning, you know, c- CDs for me back then <laughs> because I couldn't afford anything myself. Uh, um, but uh, it, it was—it uh, wasn't one of the ones in the grab bag that got that got shifted around. But I, I mean, I'm always down for for uh, a cool RPG. I mean, I, w- I would definitely check it out.
0: Yeah. Anyway, that's should, the uh, THQ. Yeah. What? I should say that I have while I was away, I did spend time uh, re-recording and remastering DLC episode 127, which oh. was like. You know, it's like the 10th best episode we did that year, but I figured, you know, the people want a remaster of it, so I've cleaned up the oh, audio a little bit. I appreciate bit.
1: you putting I, all that time and energy into, into that episode that no one remembers.
0: I'm doing, I'm using our voices now, so I've like put them through an age filter, so they sound a little an more haggard.
1: <laughs> Whoa, welcome to D.L.C.
0: well no you should have heard us back then we were so full of energy back in episode 127 now now we sound like uh, the
2: remaster is dark and grizzled (laughs)
0: yeah
2: you all all have kids now
1: (laughs) yeah no that's true (laughs) Tomash <laughs> has it correct. The kids have
0: uh, sucked the life force out of it. <laughs> it's a tight third-person view over shoulder microphone. So it really, you know, it feels uh, claustrophobic. It's a good, it's it's good. It'll be out soon. <laughs> uh,
1: well, what is your story of the week, Christian?
0: There are some, there are some big ones. Uh, but because I was away when this happened and no one talked about it, I what? need to make this. I need to make this my story of the week. And that is uh, the analog pocket has is is close to fulfilling its full potential. When the analog pocket analog pocket is I don't have it up here with me because I've been uh playing it a whole bunch. It's uh the um, handheld the Game Boy device from analog the a little crank made- on it. Has a little crank on it. No, that's the oh, other one. That's the, that's oh, the other man. one, Jeff. I, that's, that's Playdate. Oh, and it's not as big as a Game oh. Gear. It's not made by Game. Oh, this, this is, is the one, the that's Steam, one. That's the, that Steam. That's like you can play no, like Spider Man like, on it. No, no, no that's no. what I just said. Okay. It's <laughs> not that okay. one. Right. This is by Analog. Okay. It plays Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance games with actual cartridges. Plays games like. Oh, what is that oh the ninja clan. turtles okay yeah, oh sure nice fall of the foot clan uh which is included in the cowabunga collection just playing my character over here um and it is it is a oh, device. It literally you don't need to have that because it's about to come out in the cowabunga collection well also <laughs> you don't need to have it because uh what analog pocket has is an what's called an open fpga chip on it whereas the mega sg i'm pointing to them like everyone can see and the super nt <laughs> We're more. The FPGA is uh, allows for hardware level emulation. You've heard about it on this show before. Mister is also another way to bring that hardware level emulation home. So then you're playing games as if they're on original hardware versus software emulation, where you are running your computer, your device, or whatever, and it's the software is you know, changing, uh, I'm using air quotes a bunch, to run on that device to give a pretty good experience of running that old game, but not the same experience as it would have run on that actual hardware, for better or worse sometimes. And what the analog pocket had that open chip is it had the promise of allowing open source or uh, fan or community developed cores, which are the the systems quote systems that run on the chip to be developed and released. So when the analog pocket came out, it has four face buttons and two shoulder buttons, but it only was, you know, playing Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games. People are like, that looks a lot like a Super Nintendo controller. Uh, when is that Super Nintendo core going to be released? And all of that was kind of promised with a big update from analog that was going to add OS level changes. And that finally got released. And right after it got released, uh, some person who has never posted before, uh, it doesn't have like a great uh, reputation, not a great, it doesn't have reputation in like the open core uh, community hasn't been working on Mr. This person just posts, oh, by the way, here's a Game Boy core. Here's a GBA core. Here's a Game Boy Color core. Have fun. And so what that allows you to do is run ROMs directly off the micro SD card, a micro SD slot on the analog itself. So you're no longer changing carts in the back and you can have your complete library of games with you wherever you go. And it's the start of the promise of having your complete Genesis library Mm. wherever you go your super nintendo library wherever you go and so some features are still missing the analog when you're running a cart has these really cool screen filtering options where you can kind of change you can make it look very green like an old you know game boy style look you can put a i think a, a virtual boy red filter on it you can do like their modernized color uh grade filter on it that highlights the brightness that the screen can have versus an old uh, Game Boy Advance screen and all that stuff. So those features are missing, but coming. But seeing this development, um, you know, many speculate that like when these cores dropped, they were clearly by someone at Analog (laughs) or someone who had access, like friendly backdoor access to Analog because the two launched so close together. But the reason why it's my story of the week is that I love retro games. I love analog products. I love the pocket and I love seeing it kind of living up to its full potential now and starting to realize the, the promise of its premise. And I'm super excited to see what people do. That's outside of even releasing like the Genesis core on it. Cause we're already starting to see some just custom games that can run on this thing that are made specifically for it and for like an arcade quote unquote core. And it's like, Oh, it's allowing for creativity um, in addition to convenience of not carrying all of my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Game Boy carts. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you a question, Christian. I
1: Do you, honestly, I mean, I, I understand the tech behind
0: it and I respect the tech I, behind I it. I barely understand the tech behind it, but I respect it. <laughs> right. I mean,
1: I understand conceptually. But yes, yeah. <laughs> do you, do you, as someone who really cares about this stuff, do you see a difference between the hardware uh you know hardware level play of these games and a software level emulation of the same game
0: um not always but sometimes so i think i talked about on this show before i left um you know some of the emulation that i did on my steam deck and some of those they're not really hacks but unlocking that device to kind of its full potential that valve also like doesn't let you do wink 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 but also is They clearly let you do. And there are games that uh, the frame rate's wrong or developers were programming for this limited hardware set. So they take into account um, dips or screen flutters or, or things that this can't handle. So something flashes and that actually makes the bullet effect of the thing across the screen that when you're then playing on software emulation looks like a straight line versus that strobe effect. And so there are some games that don't run as well, in my opinion, when emulated. And then there are other games that just software emulated that just, I think, require more tinkering and kind of trying to get it right in that software level, whether frame pacing is a little off or something just doesn't quite feel right in terms of control latency. And so what I love about that hardware emulation with analog and stuff that, that Mr. Cores do is it kind of uh, eliminates all of that for me, any of that troubleshooting. I know that what I'm getting is the experience that was quote unquote intended. And I find that really satisfying to revisit these games in that way. And I also love using my carts. Um, I find something really satisfying about that tactile experience of putting it in, loading it up and playing it. Don't get me wrong. I have you know, over the years, been ripping a lot of my ROMs and have now loaded them all on to my analog to have that convenience of being able to, you know, jump in, jump out. But I I find something very satisfying about that old school style of play that is as close to if not exactly that original experience before. Mm.
1: Tomas, are you uh, are you into this kind of uh, emulation scene or, or retro gaming at all? So uh,
2: the Super Nintendo was like my first console. So that was like very, very formative for me. Um, I, I don't I, I wouldn't say I'm like like uh, into like the analog stuff. Like I'm not against it or anything like that. I, I think it would be awesome. Um, I, I like that it exists. And I think I, I could definitely uh, find myself like getting into it especially i think for me um b- anything before the super nintendo i don't have as much of a connection to um but as soon as like if i could carry a super nintendo around in my pocket that would be like instant like bring my like instant calming amazing just childhood feelings like in a pocket that would be amazing like i, I was actually going to ask you like is there um you know, because they're you were saying they were able to put the Super Nintendo stuff on there, is there what what would be the game that you would like revisit uh, frequently from the Super Nintendo,
0: Christian? Yeah, I mean, so that core hasn't been released yet. And I should say, like, oh, okay. what however you say it, Anna An- An- Rip Anna Brick, they make great it's a Chinese company and they make great little devices that run ROMs very well on software emulation. So there are ways that people have had. You know, I think it runs, the. some of them run up to Dreamcast, PS2 pushing it, software emulation games very well. And you can just have all your games that way. Um, and Super NES, the game that I kind of constantly go back to, aside from the brawlers, I love brawlers and just jumping in and out of, of brawlers. But I really love revisiting um, Super Mario because it's just such a beautiful game that, that holds up so well. And then another thing that I love about that 16-bit era are, and maybe this is just true for the brawlers as well. It's when we got so close to recreating the arcade experience at home, but just not quite there. So like, one of the first games I played on my pocket when um, I went through this update and loaded the cores versus going into my garage and pulling the, the, the cart is Street Fighter Alpha 3. And it's, I'm playing the GBA version of one of the most beautiful pixel art games, but not the best version of it. But I find something really satisfying and interesting of that where it's like here is this limited hardware but getting closer than i had ever been before back when it first came out to playing that arcade experience on a handheld and it's still today pretty good Mm -hmm. which i find fascinating because now games are always like jeff you know you mentioned spider-man on on steam deck which I, i imagine we'll talk about in a little bit but it's like yeah i can play big triple a games on a handheld now and digital foundry might be like it only runs in 30 frames per second with settings on high and it's just a totally different you know gaming landscape than like i think this is mortal kombat 2 on super Nintendo, <laughs> and i find that era really um analytically interesting and then also just fuels my nostalgia jeff do you have any like this is the game that'd be in your Pocket well, at all. I times. have
1: the uh SNES Mini and mm. uh my son is so uh my five year old is so uh obsessed with Mario that we actually spend a lot of time playing the SNES Mini and spend a lot of time playing Super Mario World. And I think Super Mario World, you know, it was a launch title for SNES, but I don't know if anything ever got better than that. I mean, I obviously was a huge fan of Street Fighter Two when it came out, but I would I want to play the Street Fighter 2 SNES version. I want to play the actual ROM or like a better version, whatever. Here's a game that I had when I was a kid that I played a ton of and is not on the SNES Mini and is not one I hear people talk about a lot, but is one I have so much affection for in my heart. I like I know those first couple of levels by heart because I played them so many times and I haven't Played this game in decades. Do you guys remember UN Squadron? Wow, no. that's a Man, game. It's, that a, it's a it's a side scrolling sort of shmup. Uh, you you play as a this bomber, and you have to bomb. You have to shoot stuff in the air and bomb like tanks on the ground at the same time. Ah, I played that game so much on uh, my Super Nintendo as a kid. And uh it's one of those ones where I was like, "Oh, if I had, you know, the exact version of it, I'd revisit it. You know, I'd check it out again." UN Squadron. Oh, but-
2: I just looked up images of it. I I like rented this so many times. Yeah. I remember that guy on the front. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, the like the uh 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 stealth bomber thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Was yeah, it I don't, in know, our I don't even know why I yet? had that game.
1: Like I it wasn't isn't a game that I I would usually buy maybe i got it as a review copy or something i don't know why i had it but for some reason i played so much of that game on my super nintendo oh it's weird
0: was it was it a capcom arcade game also back in the day it may Remember? have been
1: i'm not aware of that it may have been oh it does say capcom shoot 'em up uh so maybe it was a maybe it was a stand up arcade game that i uh, that's not that's not my recollection yeah. of it my recollection is only the snes version but maybe maybe i was playing a
0: a uh, poor facsimile this entire time maybe you were playing Street Fighter two yeah i didn't even let me see okay <laughs> i'm gonna look it up hold on yes it was released for the cps arcade hardware wow and the super nintendo um back in the day i love the anime oh yes i i yes the guy with the mustache and he had like yeah. the bangles helmet basically yeah um i haven't oh, i haven't even great. thought about that game in a long time but it just popped into my head UN arcades, i loved it arcades in 89 and north american snes in 1991 per now i'm gonna Wikipedia. check out the
1: arcade version and see if it was like way superior undoubtedly isn't that funny uh,
0: though i yeah. think this is uh, like a funny like you don't want to play street fighter 2 on it you want to play the actual rom but then because you didn't know that right. like you were playing no. i, I, I how hoisted on my own petard you're... right there <laughs> that's what just happened uh all right well my uh
1: you guys have left me some uh awesome stories of the week uh I will just say in passing that once again,
0: Jeff was right.
1: And we got some more, <laughs> uh more delays. In fact, a heartbreaker of a delay from my perspective, Midnight Suns uh receives its second big delay. It was supposed to be out already. It was supposed to be out like this month, August, right? Originally. And it got pushed to October and now it has been pushed again into March, maybe as late as March, 2023. Um I guess it was supposed to be released March 2022, but it has been pushed back into uh, 2K's uh, quarter that ends in March 2023. So probably won't be released until next, uh, you know, near spring uh, next year, which is a bummer to me. In fact, I texted you, Christian, when I heard this, because while we do have some uh, some big games still coming at the end of this year, this was to me the last big game that I was looking forward to in twenty twenty three that isn't God of War Ragnarok, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, so uh, i'm 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 a little bummed that, that, that this one got delayed. We also got a big delay for um uh, the Harry Potter game, which I think looks interesting. um that got pushed into twenty twenty three as well February.
0: so I think uh, you know it is is midnight suns like before march twenty twenty three to me that often screamed late January, February. But now that window is also getting very crowded.
1: Yeah, like, you know, these games February keep... February's the yeah. new November, you know? It really is. It's, it's pretty wild. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, this game, it, you know, I'm, it's unfortunate that it keeps getting these big, big delays, but uh, I'm still excited for Midnight Suns. Uh, but that's not my story. I just wanted to mention that in passing because, uh, you know, people text me. <laughs> I'm right um but uh the one i we don't have to spend tons of time on this, but i I'm so curious to get both of your reactions to the fact that we're evidently going to get a pac man movie live action pac man movie. this was uh reported by a Hollywood reporter uh saying, hey, this is actually happening uh pac man project uh bandai namco is and and Wayfarer Studios. Uh, this is going to be done um, based on uh, Chuck Williams of Lightbeam, Lightbeam Entertainment uh, fame, who was one of the people that brought Sonic the Hedgehog to the screen. Uh, I didn't care for the second Sonic movie uh, as much as the first, but that first one was like, hey, hey, they figured out a way to do this. This is pretty great. But Pac-Man to me feels like <laughs> a, a completely different story. So Tomash, the reason I want to bring this story up do you have any concept in your mind any way that a live action pac-man movie makes any sense whatsoever like what is your vision of how you would you could pull that off i mean
2: i think like it's uh, i've been sort of spoiled i think by a lot of movies whose premise on the face seems so silly like i was i'll admit i was like uh, when the Lego movie was first coming out, I was like, what the heck? That's stupid. You know, right. Um, and then that became like one of the one of my favorite. I mean, it's so much heart. And so, yeah. you know, it it's was what, what an yeah. amazing premise that movie had. And so I I think I would give a lot. I, I, I'll give it a chance for sure. I think way crazier things have happened. Um, I definitely feel like, you know, the the idea that first comes to mind, which I I don't. I don't think is a great one. It's just like what what the default is like, oh, there's some sort of warp that takes people in or out of the game or makes Pac-Man come out of the game or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, which, which is like, I, I'm less excited about that. Like, I would like to see something maybe more interesting than that. I can't, I can't think of anything right this second. It could be cool. I'll pitch something real quick. It could be cool if Pac-Man was a, just a whole people, Mm. Like there were just the pac manites or whatever they would be, and <laughs> yeah. this is just a a civilization that mm. either we're discovering or is already living with us. And you know they eat the dot dots and stuff. And there's a whole oh they're dealing with these ghosts or something. Uh, I mean I could see a whole what what is the 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 social dynamics of a. Of a Pac-Man maze world, <laughs> if it were to to be brought into this full, fully realized like world with different groups of people, and you know what yeah. is that? Or, but most likely, I'm thinking Pac-Man will be the only of uh, uh of species. his kind that just <laughs> yeah. sort of comes into the world and and probably has wacky high drinks or something. But, but uh. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely give it a shot. I'm, I'm more optimistic these days about, about these interesting trends. I'm just glad video games are, are kind of making it into
1: linear media more and more. No, I agree with that sentiment for sure. And, and we were actually getting good movies out of it instead of, uh, you know, schlock and crap. Uh, that has been the case, unfortunately, for a, a long time with video game IP going into uh, film and TV. Uh, but the thing that's so weird to me, I get like a Sonic the Hedgehog Character or even Mario or whatever whatever the Mario movie is going to be we're going to get a Mario movie but and I get the Sonic that Sonic interacting with real live people uh, it makes sense but Pac Man the little legs and arms of a Pac Man <laughs> is already sort of a weird abstraction of or 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 like addition onto. This thing that didn't have it anyway—it's already not the game, you know. And I know there's lots of versions of Pac-Man that have that little man with the legs and the arms, but to me, that was never actual Pac-Man. So the idea that bringing that creature into a live-action—it already isn't—it already isn't Pac-Man to me. <laughs> so it's so strange. Like what? The only thing that makes any sense to me at all—I mean, who knows? The, I mean, it could be it could be like a Last Starfighter type, like you're really good at Pac-Man, and so you get to do something. Mm. There's lots of different ways you could go with it. So maybe there's this brilliant idea that isn't apparent to me, and I hope there is. I'm rooting for the movie, but it, it, maybe there's some way to make the movie about like a commentary on gluttony or or excess <laughs> in some way. You know, like maybe you know maybe the I, I think ghosts. And eating a power pellet to then take on the ghosts is a cool idea. It's just this orange or orange yellow circular thing that doesn't, I don't know how to fit that into a live action world. But Christian, I feel like, Oh, go ahead.
2: No, no, no. Just, I feel like if this was made in like the nineties or eighties, the, the, no, I'm not saying this is a good option, but what I think the way it would be handled is Pac-Man would be warped into our world. But just as a, he, he be a human in our right. world yeah, so like it, the would this, yeah, yeah, like, it would be a
1: super mario movie yeah
2: yeah 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 it would be some sort of like uh just <laughs> it's chris Jim farley like guy <laughs> that just eats everything
0: <laughs> it's chris, it's chris in a, farley a yellow yeah. a le- yellow suit with a red tie yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all uh, oh, so man. okay this is it's an easy pitch okay oh okay so okay. Uh, this is why
1: you're back so you can kids
0: pitch uh a kid, they're living like, I don't know, in, in the farm in Vermont or I don't know, some farm, right? And there's a barn and and, and they and they open – they, what they find in there, they take the cover off in this dramatic moment and lo and behold, they find it, – it reconnects a father with a son and no, none of the original actors are in it. But you get to bust some ghosts. And so when they pull the tarp <laughs> back off this no. thing that's Uh-oh. in the garage in their barn or whatever it is and oh, no. it comes off and you're like, is that – is it the same original? Like, are there no female leads in this one? Finally, you know, and they peel the thing off, and there it is—an arcade cabinet. And so, what <laughs> the father and son do is, and they play—they uh, play Pac-Man. I got hours, bad news for
1: you, man. I think they may have—they may have done that a version of that already.
0: No, no, no. I'm calling this one Pac-Man Afterlife. Um, I think, and it, <laughs> it just has a—I mean, I—I I, I do think—and it stinks because. Some versions of this have been done very well, but where my head naturally goes now, like the 90s version, yes, is Chris Farley, David Spade running around being like, you can't eat all that. And he's like, I got to eat it. You know, whatever. <laughs> I got to it. this ghost <laughs> after us. <laughs> uh, is, is this like video game character comes to like, like that tube, that tube thing. And, you know, ghosts have run amuck in, uh, New York and the Statue of Liberty Has already been used once so they need To find this other Weapon that can I'm just using Ghostbusters uh, All the Ghostbusters <laughs> movies now um, I, well, I, I don't I know hope I, hope it, it's, I hope it's good but I it hope doesn't it's good.
1: I, I hope it does so well that they do a Sequel and they call that sequel To Pac-Man No, I uh
2: I uh uh, there's another part of me that was wondering, what if it was like, what was that movie where it was like very serious and the guy, I think was Adam Sandler in it. It was like the guy played shadows of Colossus to like deal with grief or something like Ooh, that. Oh
0: yes. Uh, it wasn't click, which is not serious. Um, <laughs> uh, oh i remember the name i'm sure people are screaming
2: uh but uh but imagine that that's where i thought you were maybe going at first is just like this incredibly serious (laughs) drama where (laughs) pac-man is like the curative balm (laughs) and then like pac-man only exists in these dreams the person has (laughs) it's like a character that's only in their head that walks around (laughs) with them and helps them deal with like you know the fact that they they ran someone over at some point or some horrifying
1: <laughs> Requiem for a Pac Man is yeah, what it is. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, enough of that. We have tons of games that we have been playing. So let's get right to our segment The Playlist.
2: playlist.
1: Tomas, you have been playing a bunch of stuff. Where would you like to start?
2: Well, uh, if we were sort of talking about kind of this retro kind of diving back into to comfort food sort of games, um, uh, I, I've been doing that a lot lately. I've just kind of been reconnecting a little bit with, with old games. And I also discovered I feel like I'm super late. To this, but the fact that you can turn on commentary in a lot of the, some oh, yeah, of these older yeah. re-releases, and I was, and, and I'm surprisingly enjoy that um, because it's like, oh, I know this game already, and now I can hear the creators talk about it a bit. I, I sometimes I wish it, it feels a little threadbare at times. Like I would, I wish they were kind of talking through the whole thing. But, um, but yeah, I I, can't, I went back to Full Throttle. I, I know that re-release is probably due for another re-release at, at this point. Maybe I'm really late to that, but. Um, but yeah, I, I always played a lot of, um, you know, those classic Arts adventure games, and it had been a long enough time since I had thought or played full throttle. I wanted to see like, well, what do I remember for this? And will I get the same sort of fuzzy feeling? Um, and I did. It, it was it was really good. I just like I, I remembered there were some fun things I remembered that just sort of like, uh, you know, from when I was a kid, like uh, specifically, I, I feel like when I was originally playing it, I thought it was just a fully like I I thought it was just serious about itself when I started it as a kid I thought oh this is a actually a game about a cool biker guy (laughs) and I I think the moment I realized it wasn't so self-serious was when you interact with like a bunch of boxes and the main (laughs) character says something like Someone ought to recycle these, <laughs> you know, or something like that. And I and I got to that part again, and it just came back to me uh, so immediately. It does open up this question to me, though. I wonder what you two think about this. Of like, oftentimes, I I find myself uh, uh, disappointed by what the sort of remaster visuals look like. Mm. Um, and I know there's a lot of work that goes into them. I'm not trying to be like, uh, you know. i it's more like looking inward in terms of like, is this my sort of nostalgia glasses? Is this, act, or or can I actually be like, no, this is worse than the original, you know? <laughs> um, uh, or, and I wonder how people play it. Um, I have some thoughts about why I might think that, but um, how about you two? Have you played games that have like, let you switch back between the two views and 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 how do you feel
1: about the new ones? Yeah, one of the things that Christian and I talk about a lot is that oftentimes with these remasters, you'll play it and you'll be like, this looks exactly like I remember it. Well, they didn't do any work at all. And then they have that feature where you can go back and you're like, Oh no, it, no, they, they definitely do. <laughs> Cause your brain goes, Oh, it was amazing at the time. Yeah. You know? uh, but Christian, what is your, uh, what's your response to that?
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely that where it's like, yeah, Gears of War always look just like, Oh my gosh, this <laughs> is incredible. Um, I think, and I think we talked about on the show as well, but, art design and art direction goes such a long way. And I really, I like the remaster of full throttle. I I think it's an interesting take on a remake or remaster of art. Um, But I also think there is something to be said for it's a it's original style, Mm -hmm. which you know, looks like the remaster, if you were going to demake it, it's like running the remaster through sandpaper, you know, in a way. (laughs) But I have a fondness for those old Sierra-style point-and-click adventures where I think there's something really interesting about that art. And living in, in 2022, you know, we're seeing games now that intentionally select that art. You know, before I mentioned, like with the Analog Pocket or this NES Mini, games were trying to chase a highest fidelity and bring that home and now games i mean you know uh better than i do tamash about you can kind of pick an art style you know you, the limitations aren't mm-hmm. the hardware anymore as much as they are imagination uh and preference and so i i like seeing that type of reimagining when it comes to remakes i either like just clean it up because the original looked fantastic and let me run it on a console that accepts an hdmi cable or go i think resident evil 2 remake is is one of those that really stands out of like oh Mm -hmm. they rethought Mm -hmm. what this game is and what graphical style best represents it and they went for ultra realism again and resident evil 2 example but that's what the original was kind of trying to do so it was like how do we honor the legacy of this game in a Mm -hmm. new way and i love i love stuff like that i think that's fascinating and then my other would be yeah just uh give me a widescreen hdmi <laughs> uh, version of the game
1: christian i yeah. talked about this on um on the paid dlc show i don't know if you heard but uh, uh, danish actually gave me this book for my birthday i just had a birthday what? recently uh it's a, 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 a bitmap books the art of point and click adventure games and, I mean, look at how big it is. It, it, this, it's like an encyclopedia. I'm holding it up for video viewers. I mean, the hard part uh, wow. is there's only
0: relevant information on one page, and you have to pick it up at the right time, or else it's like, <laughs> this is not what I'm looking for. In
1: order to <laughs> open it, I have to use chewing gum for some reason? <laughs>
0: um, but there's, I mean, there's tons of Sam and Max. There's
1: tons of tons of stuff in here. So, I, yeah, I definitely have a fondness for those games, too. I'll also, uh, I also reviewed uh, uh, Full Throat. I think it's also another 1992 game. I, re- I reviewed the original in the newspaper. Um full throttle uh I have a lot of fondness for that for that game and 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 all point and click adventure games um
2: yeah uh, i think yeah. the the thing that i I get into with those is like uh when it, it it's like you said like i think if 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 I were tasked with a remaster, not that you know not that I'm saying it's easy or something, but um have you seen uh this game x zodiac i think it's called <clears throat> um it basically looks like if you took the original star fox. And and remastered it It, like, you know, but didn't remaster it from a graphical fidelity standpoint, but remastered it to run at 60 FPS with how it looks and maybe some modern controls and widescreen and all that stuff. And that to me is way more compelling in a way. Um I'm really interested. I haven't played that game yet, but I was watching some footage of it and it, and um I'm a big fan of the original Star Fox and Star Fox 64. I, I've been playing that actually because of Exodiac. I was like, oh, let me they just uh, I noticed they have it on Switch now, so I was I was checking it out. And uh and I think the thing about remasters that's interesting just as a, from an artist perspective, I feel like sometimes the incentives are or the goals are kind of mismatched with the original, whereas like The goal is to fill in details, whereas the actual goal generally is to clarify sort of what your options are from a decision making standpoint, where the focus is. And I think that's even when you're just making a game from scratch, that's incredibly easy to lose in the sort of mess of all these different elements you're putting into the game is like ma- maintaining a cl- clarity of focus on the priority information. Mm-hmm. And I think that's even easier to lose if you're both trying to increase just fidelity sort of haphazardly. And then also having to somehow make that increase of fidelity still maintain this like clarity of focus. I, I feel like I noticed that a lot in the initial, the, like the first time Halo one was remastered, I would flip back and forth and feel like, why do I feel better at the game when mm. i when it's in the sort of original version i think it's because like the places to shoot are way easier to see and you know and all that stuff and, Interesting. and again not to say that the remaster is worse in that regard it's more of just like uh, kind of for me i'm always kind of dissecting from a clarity standpoint because i find that really difficult as an artist to one of the biggest challenges is like how do you maintain clarity with all these moving pieces and when the important information is always different from moment to moment and and yeah all that yeah. stuff
1: no i think that's fascinating and and some of the my favorite gdc talks for example are, are kind of involving you know the stuff that i think as players we often don't look we don't recognize because the entire point of it is that you don't recognize it the entire yeah. point of it is that it's intuitive and so you know all the work that that folks like you do you know animators and and graphic designers do in video games to uh to make it, you your brain just grasp things very quickly and and. It's not just about how beautiful something can be. It's how, as you said, how clear it is and how useful it can be to the player. And, uh, you know, stuff like uh, characters having, um, you know, unique silhouettes so that you just mm-hmm. the shape of them, you know, which character you're looking at at any given time and stuff like that. It's so fascinating to me all that work that is by design not supposed to be noticed, right. but is essential. And I, I think that's so cool.
0: Yeah, it's the reason why uh, if I ask my kids to go get something in real life, they're like, I can't find it. And I'm like, it's (laughs) right there in front of you. But then you task them with that in a video game. And like, this is the thing. And I'm like, how did you find it? And they're like, well, you know, it's presented in a way that makes sense. Unlike their room, which they have not presented in a way that makes (laughs) sense. There's like a a
2: thousand little cues that that (laughs) sort of point point them. And and yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You run through the open world game and you know exactly which plants you can Hit, right, collect, right. And, you know it's so cool uh you have lots of other stuff on your playlist what else uh what else do you want to talk about
2: so um i, I was actually replaying uh titanfall 2 uh Such a um, great game it was on game pass I'm, I'm like a kid in a candy store with game pass so it's been like i'm a little bit new again new to to this thing i know it's been around for a second but uh just like downloading games it's like literally I've, this would have been my dream as a child just like what i can just go into the store and just have whatever i want you know <laughs> exactly um, Yeah. and I mean... uh and so titanfall 2 has a pretty extraordinary level in it i mean i remembered it but uh d- did you play that it had this one oh, level yeah. where you kind of just switch between two times yeah. as a combat mechanic it was just like really the, the... really awesome uh I-, I feel like that's a i don't know if it's underrated i know a lot of people loved it for that but but i don't feel like it it comes up a lot recently and and
1: that that level is just incredible christian and i both loved titanfall 2 it was one of those games it came out like between battlefield and cod that year and it just kind of fell through the cracks for a
0: lot of people but uh, you know the first game didn't have a single player story and the second game had one of the best first person shooter single player campaigns ever and it's just like yeah so good. Yeah. And that level you you talk about. I mean, there's a number of levels where like just the idea
1: behind that level. I remember the one where you're in the like construction of there's mm-hmm. like it's like they're building yeah, the level yeah. and you're jumping all around it. So wild. Such cool ideas in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then
2: yeah, I've been um I mean I played Stray, which uh yeah, no spoilers, I I don't want to talk about too much, but I really enjoyed that. Um I don't know if the two of you have played that yet, but it's I mean, I don't think there's a game where you play as a cat more uh, uh sort of realistically or satisfyingly, you know, like right. I was really, really amazed by that. I thought that
1: was great. Yeah. Christian, right before you left, you were talking about Stray. Did you end up finishing that game? I, I really enjoyed playing it.
0: I did not roll credits on Stray for a, a a reason we'll talk about here in I don't know maybe ten twenty minutes Jeff but uh, <laughs> did you did you roll credits on Stray I know we texted about some later game stuff that I had gotten to but I didn't I didn't finish it
1: yeah I did I I thought um, for the most part it you know I I, I feel like the first like two thirds of the game is much stronger than the very very end of it but I I just thought um, it, it's such a brilliant a different feeling game. Like you said, uh, Tamash, you feel like a cat. You do cat things all the time. And the world building, the universe though, and exactly what we've been talking about, the, this very dense, very, um, very uh, aesthetically overwhelming environment. The, 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 this, you know, post, or excuse me, um, sort of cyberpunk, like mm-hmm. Blade Runner world, which can be just by very nature of what it is, can be too much stimuli. Uh, they did a such a great job of always being aware of what's useful, what's interesting, where I can go. Uh, I don't feel lost or overwhelmed in, in the cyberpunk cities. So th- I have a lot of praise for, for stray. I just didn't think it completely stuck the landing, but, mm. but that's what cats do, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah. It's true. So did you, did you, when you
2: played it, did you feel like, This this is like it's not really a criticism, it's more of a funny thing to bring up. But did you feel like the cat understood what was happening? Was that what Oh, that's really funny. Like like I always felt like, wait, so (laughs) am I playing like an intelligent cat that can understand language? Or am I just if they're just like, Oh, we need these keys and the cat's like, I'm just gonna walk over here and (laughs) happen to do the thing that you need, but
1: I have no idea what's going on, you know? That's a funny, Uh, funny way to think about it. I didn't even I didn't even register that question uh but that's funny i mean you could totally interpret that game as you're just like puppeteering this this cat that has no idea what's (laughs) going
2: on Uh, it's kind of it kind of gives me like garfield vibes in that you never know like does john hear him right or is it because it's like thought bubbles so (laughs) john's kind of reacting but it's never super clearly a conversation so yeah just had a i think that's people so have already great. modded garfield into that by the way which oh is, i yeah. saw
1: i know it's yeah. hilarious yeah amazing uh straight very 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 good game i think uh um really different really interesting uh what else is on your playlist
2: um, I mean, a bunch of stuff. I kind of dip in and out of things a lot. I, I played through Shredder's Revenge. I'm a big fan of uh, Turtles in Time. Uh, I, I played that like at Pizza Huts back in the day, and then I had it for <laughs> SNES. I played it so, so many times through. And then Shredder's Revenge, I feel like, captured that really, really well. Uh, I actually went back and watched like the first Ninja Turtles movies again just because it got me so... like feeling that vibe and oh, just, rad. you know, secret of the ooze and, and all that <laughs> stuff. Is, they, they, they hold up pretty well. I'm like, I, I enjoyed them a lot. Um, I, I also, I'm partway through weird West, which I'm really enjoying as someone who was really uh, into the first two fallouts, like mm. um, weird West. I feel like captures that sort of, uh, um, that immersive sim top-down action kind of vibe really, really well. I really enjoy the kind of the way that the story is presented. It's very different from a lot of immersive sims and that it, you're not creating a character. You're sort of, I don't know if you've both played it yet, but yeah. um, at first it's kind of a jolt, uh, jolt because you're like, Oh, this isn't, you're not like taking, you're not creating a character from scratch, but um, there's, there's a part of me and again, I don't know if this is nostalgia, but I kind of wish it was, the sort of turn based combat of of wasteland and fallout and stuff i agree
1: i get a little overwhelmed with the, when the shootouts start happening i'm like
2: ah, they're all over around me yeah but, yeah uh, it's it's and there it's is cool. you can turn on a mode that just like slows down time a ton and it's almost like turn based but it's not quite the same kind of Feeling as as like those original Fallout's, and then
0: yeah, I've, can, can may I ask a, a quick weird yeah, West yeah, sure. question that that maybe uh, your wife would maybe be best to answer? But I'm curious <laughs> conceptually uh, as these genres, at least to me, have kind of collapsed a little bit between this. You mentioned you know the the um, Left for Dead procedural AI director mm-hmm. versus Weird West kind of immersive sim. Where it doesn't seem like it's necessarily AI driven in that same way of like this person, this person pulling the strings, Mm -hmm. but all of those complex pieces coming together to create these, you know, water cooler moments where like the three of us all had a very different encounter. Mm -hmm. uh, And we did the same thing, right? We're all uh, avenging the... um, a tragic incident that happened to us <laughs> right? in Weird West case. Um, and I'm curious, kind of in your view, where those would maybe live in like a genre timeline of like game type. Are those cousins of each other, like the AI director style game versus the Weird West approach or is Weird West in your head, maybe more akin to like Far Cry, except Far Cry's first person where it like, creates these complex rules that are all living in a world that then one exploding barrel can set off this chain of, uh, mm. NPC reactions. I'm curious if you have thoughts there. I mean, I'm sure
2: there's tons of connected influences. I see, I see, I don't know if I have the right words for the, this, but I see like weird West as a direct sort of descendant of like the original fallout, like Deus X, mm. like that kind of thing where it feels like, um, it feels like here is a sort of ecosystem we're letting you interact with, and we're letting you pull push the knobs or you know, like like change all these settings by influencing this ecosystem, and you can see how things like play out as a result. Um, which, which is a, you know, that's a systems driven game. Like it has all these different interacting systems that are kind of simulating and then you go kick one out or you blow one up or you change one dramatically. And then you want to see how all the other systems are affected. I think that that's kind of the, the thing there, but it still feels like you're presented with these curated system collections, right? It's like, oh, here's a room where you need to assassinate somebody. Here's all the different systems playing out. How do you achieve that objective? I feel like um, and, and I don't know if this is all like kind of things I've just heard, but in the left or dead space, I heard that was actually um, kind of inspired by like gauntlet and, oh, wow. and things like that. That's and cool. so um, definitely also utilizes systems, but separately, I think it's more about it's more about um, reading actually the players' actions and delivering them a kind of climactic arc. And mm-hmm. so it's that's why like sort of this idea of an AI director, which is like there's someone in a director seat that's responding to the audience and going, oh, you've had a bit of a moment to chill and and chat for a while. Let's bring up the tension. And, oh, right. y- you know your health is still high, so let's throw some bosses at you and make this a climactic stand. You know something like that. Whereas like um, so it's almost like a dungeon master. Uh, right. is trying to create this uh this like sort of climactic experience based on what you like to do and what your skill level is and what you've been doing. Um I don't know if that answers your question fully, but those are the kind of the two threads of that. They're both utilizing systems, but one is utilizing them to kind of respond to the character's stress level and how to give them an, an experience of like a, a climactic holdout or something like that. And the other right. one is like just presenting them with this living world and going like, have at it, see what happens, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I love cool. that. It's it's like the difference between yeah, like playing Dungeons and Dragons with a with a DM or playing you know like Gloomhaven or or a, a a a rule set that's supposed to try to recreate the the events of a uh of a dungeon master, but is only doing it based on your moves. You know, it's like right, well, if you right. do this, X, Y, and Z happens, and all of those dominoes can happen, and it can make a really dynamic situation. But it's not actually there's no intent there's no uh creative uh impulse to you know like you said create a uh, climax or mm-hmm. a denouement or something yeah <laughs> that's cool uh um, you're also playing a, a, another game that uh that christian has uh heralded as one of his favorites of the year i still haven't played it yet but kirby forgotten land
2: oh yeah i'm really enjoying that i mean i was so the last kirby game that i loved was surprise, surprise, Super Nintendo, um, uh, Kirby Superstar. Um, actually, really, also like Kirby's Dream Course. I don't know if mm-hmm. many people mm-hmm. like love that game, but I really enjoyed that. Totally different kind of Kirby game. I've always been a huge fan um, of I, just as an artist. Like Kirby has some of the clearest gameplay. Mm. Man. It just does such a great. It has these meaty hit pauses. It has these like great kind of like flash frames and and like everything's done in this really snappy style. And obviously, it, it looks gorgeous and everything. But um, I, I, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying Forgotten Land. I think like, uh, <laughs> the premise is I'm still getting my head around. Like, <laughs> I'm like, is it, what is this like? It looks like I haven't finished it, but so I don't know if they dive into this. But it really looks like. Uh, if if the world ended in the 90s like is the, <laughs> didn't <it's> like, it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like and it, the only thing that's that's missing to make it basically uh last of us is just there's no skeletons everywhere it's like <laughs> people just somehow vaporized or something um uh and uh but then you just throw kirby in there and that that speaks to me a little bit because actually the game i'm creating Begone beast is is a lot about putting like you know, what if Mario entered Resident Evil, you know, like this, this <laughs> idea of like putting this vulnerable, squishy character, um, that that's adorable and that you really, you want, really want to protect and then putting the, you know, kind of a more grounded, uh, uh, sort of serious spooky danger in there. And, and so I, I, I'm really enjoying that. Obviously Kirby still, even the enemies in it are super fun and cute, but that there is kind of like a seriousness to the environment that, that that is
0: almost a little disconcerting and kirby still just shows up and just dances right like <laughs> yeah, do, yeah. Do, do, you know and doesn't take into any it's like i'm in a new world i don't know Ba-ba-da-da-da, i stay around yeah, yeah exactly. the uh,
1: embodiment of the this is fine meme <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, i
1: still gotta play that game I, I really have been meaning to pick that up um everybody's fantastic about and
0: great great co-op i think yeah, uh, yeah. I think you and your kiddos could have a lot of fun with it jeff also yeah. where one person is just playing as um uh oh gosh what are they called not a tweedle d um waddle d a- waddle d yes thank you clearly not uh tweedle d and Tweedledum. so you don't <laughs> you're not don't have the same move set you're just kind of throwing spears but it's a really fun support role for someone who doesn't want to worry about using kirby's powers or inversely i think a really great role for a parent to play yeah mm-hmm. um, and let that other person then experience the full um offering that kirby has without feeling stressed out about messing up because you have that support role yeah. kind of clearing up the area around you as you explore right. really really interesting uh, co-op
2: Version. i'm actually i'm actually really into uh this is something we're looking at for our game as well is this sort of more asymmetric role from a like narrative and sort of stakes standpoint so like sonic and tails like is the great example of that it's like when you played sonic with a friend uh, on like the sega back in the day so like if you're sonic the stakes are really high if you die, the, the game ends. You control where the screen scrolls. You have to do everything carefully. And Tails can just kind of like throw themselves just into everything without <laughs> worry. They can die a thousand times. Uh, they don't move the screen. They don't control the the narrative. But even, even that's like sometimes you feel like being a Tails character. And sometimes you feel like being the Sonic character. And I feel like a lot of co-op games, they don't. They kind of they're I don't want to call them timid, but it's almost like no everybody's equally important they're <clears throat> equally a story hero you know mm-hmm. and they're it's like they're they don't want to let one person shine and other people chill um and so I'm kind of interested in that thought so we're we're kind of experimenting with things in that regard and like how can we use actually use the AI director to kind of let someone emerge as the this this campaign's hero and let the other people kind of like still have a really fun role of like your stakes are lower. You can be a little more reckless. You can laugh at the hero because they're now actually stressed a little more than you, you know? And so, um, I like those kind of asymmetrical roles because when you're all kind of like equally the hero, it just becomes this kind of amorphous, like the party of heroes has arrived rather than <laughs> right. it being about any one person in particular. So anyway, I can. That's really good. No, I, I love that. A lot.
1: I think that's really interesting. Very cool. Uh,
2: anything else on your playlist? um, so just like little fun group things. We've been playing Escape Simulator, which I think is a fantastic just uh, get together with friends game. Um, uh, j- it feels perfect in that it's like we're just able to solve things without getting frustrated and um, really good puzzle design. Like we, it flows pretty well, but we still feel like a sense of accomplishment. And then talking about remasters, I mean, I've, I I dipped into black mesa and it's 16 year development um uh and so i'm playing through that really enjoying that that is kind of a funny one because i feel like they really did capture the feeling of the original half-life in a way where i genuinely feel the way you said which is like oh this is what it what my memory says it was like (laughs) yeah and i have to go back and actually look at it and be like oh wow no it looked very
0: different
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's so cool that these things that you hear about for years and years and years finally get finished. Um, and it's a, it's an amazing accomplishment that just, you know, folks with their spare time put in all that work.
2: Yeah, did. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, I mean, just heroic effort of motivation. <laughs> I don't know how I would have stayed with it. Um, I mean, there's so many reasons to not work on that, you know, like, <laughs> right. like financially, you know, like just yeah. from an IP standpoint, it's amazing that Valve, I think, I don't know the full story. I think Noclip did a great documentary on them. I, I still need to watch that, but um, just, yeah, I, I wonder what the ups and downs of that. I mean, 16 years to, Incredible. to make a game that by the time you're done feels like a make itself Yeah, because it's using like 2000, you know, what, eight uh, yeah. engine or something like that, but but i mean i'm very thankful it's like exactly what i want to play so uh you know i'm very happy that they that they
1: went through that that is uh black mesa i believe it's called definitive edition is that right i think anyway i don't black know mesa. yeah on yeah Steam. <laughs> uh awesome wonderful uh, so many cool things that you've been playing uh christian spicer what about you uh, you've been gallivanting across the land what have you been playing
0: yeah, so I'll start with something that maybe transitions well out of Black Mesa. But uh, <laughs> I got to play the newest Sonic game, start to finish. And I will say right now that it is one of the best Sonic video games I've ever played. It's right up there with Sonic Mania, um, Sonic and Knuckles 3. It is absolutely Incredible. And I know you're probably thinking right now, wait a minute, you got to play, you're telling me that they finally nailed 3D Sonic and they made a 3D Sonic game as good as Sonic Mania and you got to play it already? No, I'm not talking about that game. Of course, I'm talking about Sonic Triple Trouble 16-bit, which is a fan-made Oh, reimagining of Sonic Triple Trouble, which is a Game Gear game. This is by Noah Copeland, and he had been working on it, I think, for five, six years. And it is a 16-bit version of the Game Gear Sonic Triple Trouble in Idea, um, where the Game Gear version, of course, 8-bit limited. It it was kind of built on this bounty hunter style approach to Sonic. But what Sonic Triple Trouble is Sonic Triple Trouble 16-bit What it is, as it exists today, it's as if we're in a parallel universe where Sonic and Knuckles 3 came out and then that team made an honest-to-goodness Sonic 4 for Genesis. And not the Sonic 4 that came out as like Episode 1 on iPhone 5 or, you know, whatever that was. It harkens back to that, you know, peak 16-bit Genesis era Sonic game design, which again, right up there with Sonic mania in my book, I think Sonic triple trouble 16 bit is probably my ranking would probably be Sonic, Sonic mania, Sonic knuckles three, and then triple trouble. Uh, And what's fascinating about triple trouble. It is, is this fan made project and the way that similarly to valve and and black mason, some of those projects, Sega seems wholeheartedly willing to support (laughs) and let exist. Well, um, how do you play
1: this? Do you need an analog pocket to play this thing? What do you What are you playing it on?
0: It is a free PC game. It is out mm. currently on PC. Runs great on Steam Deck. Uh, um, Noah said that the Android version is coming soon, uh, but no timeline. This again has been a labor of love, one person development, uh, you know, remake. But it's it's bigger than just a remake of the Game Gear game. Um, It brings in new mechanics and uh, those bonus stages and tweaks what that Game Gear game was, which was very simple, still a, a fantastic Game Gear Sonic game that mostly gets overlooked, but brings it more in line with what Sonic 3 and Knuckles would be where you can play as Knuckles. Um, you can go in and even change, you can play in widescreen. If you want, you can play four by three. If you want, you can change the frame rate of those bonus stages to be 20 frames. I I think the default is 20 frames per second, which really harkens back to how those 3d sphere, you know, kind of bonus stages felt back on, uh, Genesis era hardware. And then it introduces fun that seemed like, Oh, I did, did I do this in a Sonic game? Is this a, Mechanic that is a thing, or am I just kind of remembering that it could be a thing? Like those kind of gimmick levels of like a snowboard level or like a, yeah. on the biplane and like that kind of thing, and really introduces some fun new ones that work really well and then others that aren't as good as the series highs. But also, I have to really respect for trying new style of those types of gimmicks as well. And just, and the music's fantastic. Like it's a game that I've been following for a little bit in terms of on that Sonic fan community. Cause Sonic mania also kind of came out of this world of like Sega, letting people play with that IP for years and same with, um, uh, Sonic origins to some extent, but man, if you have a PC or a steam deck and, uh, you know, it's not very demanding. I'd put Sonic triple trouble above the Sonic origins collection hmm. because those games are, and I think we talked about this on the Tim Gettys episode. They're, they're good versions of those games, but they're not the best versions of Sonic one, two, three Sonic knuckles and Sonic triple trouble. 16 bit is the best version of this game that I didn't even know. I wanted to exist here in 2022, just absolute hats off um again it was developed by noah copeland and also to sega for allowing this thing to exist that's the amazing part to me is that they're not suing it out of existence (laughs) and there's been so many of these things like sonic being added to roblox and i think that becoming a standalone game in its own and and uh these fan-made projects sorry go ahead
2: Oh no, just uh the 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 sonic stuff in Minecraft I, I my friend's kids are like obsessed yeah. with and my,
1: it's like My kid is obsessed with Sonic. I'm like, based on what? I know. What? <laughs> it's crazy. I in fact as you were talking about this, I'm looking at the video and I'm like asking myself this question. Do I introduce this to my son and then therefore potentially risk the loss of my steam deck to little kid hands.
0: (laughs) Well, I will say you can also start with, uh, you know, Sonic one or two. Um, there are other like Sonic mania on switch. Start there. That's a fantastic game and a great way to introduce your son to Sonic in a way that does not rip your steam deck out of
1: your hands. (laughs) My kids are obsessed with Sonic. In fact, my daughter who doesn't even, you know, play the games really it obsessed, every morning goes, I want to do the Eggman, Eggman. It's a YouTube video that's like an exercise video that has the Sonic characters doing exercises. And huh. Eggman is a big one. And she's like, I want to do Eggman, Eggman. She's huge, loves it. It's, yeah, it's weird so- how these characters, these
0: IPs endure, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's wild. I'm curious when the Mario movie comes out and uh, as when Chris Pratt delivers a voice for Mario that we never knew we needed before and just rocks our our, our audio world with it yeah. but if i will see a resurgence in mario apparel at the elementary school i see tons of sonic and i think half of that has to be the hit movies but yes like, for sure old navy has a bunch of sonic yeah or like target have a bunch of so- like 16 bit sonic merch and i don't i see pokemon i see plenty of nintendo stuff but not Mario Well, stuff. there's tons of
1: Mario I mean as a
0: father of a kid who's obsessed with Mario <laughs> there's lots of Mario <laughs> there's yeah, plenty yeah, of Mario not, maybe not in my sphere that I see at uh, at my elementary school but I think in terms of and maybe there is some Mario but I think in terms of like gaming relevance versus merch relevance mm. like Sonic has way more merch relevance than it should yeah <laughs> based on his continued gaming relevance but Sonic triple trouble 16-bit it is a free game available on pc supposedly an android version coming soon and is an absolute absolute 2d sonic triumph i cannot praise it enough it's incredible very cool uh what else is on your playlist so jeff i don't want to turn this into like a you and me debate maybe we can do that you on don't Wednesday. because
1: you usually do that's usually <laughs> well. your,
0: entirely your your goal well, I know you have a clip that's like Jeff was right, but like yeah. you, the reason you have that clip, and I said it, is because so often you're wrong.
1: Um, <laughs> that doesn't make sense.
0: <laughs> it's not as upbeat of a. It's like Jeff was wrong. Um, it's not quite as catchy. But I had to, I, I I admit I didn't get to this part of that episode when I was on my my vacay, mm-hmm. uh, and then I saw people in Discord talking about it, and I'm like, Jeff actually played Elden Ring. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. He truly loved it because it's mm. such a phenomenal game. Uh-huh. So I'm looking through episode descriptions. It's not listed. Talk about burying the lead. It's like on this episode, we talk about blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, where's the El... So I found it. I found your Elden Ring discussion. Uh-huh. And I am shocked, <laughs> Jeff. I So, background before I went on this trip, I was like, uh, I really like Elden Ring. So I rebought it on Steam. So I could have it on my steam deck right uh, so I completely started over again on PlayStation I was playing as a samurai several hours into the game you know multiple hours into the game and so I rebought it on uh, Steam and started as a vagabond and rerolled started over again I'm now it's the one nit for Steam Deck, I, it's hours count It's always a little weird for me because I was offline playing this game for a yeah, long time. And, and also, sleep it, when mode. you're in sleep mode, yeah, like counts those hours. So you're like, it's like uh, for thousand hours. I'm like, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, <laughs> I did and that. And then other times it's like Vampire Survivor, and I'm like, that's probably accurate. I'm like, don't tell uh, my
1: wife, Steam Deck, please.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was in sleep mode, babe. <laughs> no, I I wasn't asleep. It was, yeah. okay. Yes, I was playing it, but uh, so. I'm not entirely sure, but I think I'm like 40 to 50 hours into my steam uh, version of Elden Ring, several bosses deep. I know when I talked about it before, I was like, I'll probably never finish this game. Uh, I will. There's a good chance I might finish this game. Wow. It is incredible. And right now where I sit remains one of the single best gaming experiences of 2022 And it's hard not to uh, just speak in total hyperbole and be like, ever, because other games blew me away back in time as well, that now, you know, it's hard to go back to 1998 and be like, oh my gosh, what this game did is revolutionary. But what Elden Ring does in terms of reexamining both the open world format and the Souls-like genre I think it does those two things in concert in a way that is so refreshing and rewarding. And I think the thing that surprised me the most, not that you didn't enjoy it, like it is a deliberate game. Like Elden Ring is not going to hold your hand, you know, even as I'm now whatever level I am, like powerful to be at the beginning, to go back to those beginning parts of the game. If I'm lazy uh, an early level or an early game character can still kill me right like right. And, and a lot of games that's not the case you get to a point and you go back to an early level of the game and you just kind of walk through like mario with a superstar or whatever invincibility star and that's not elden ring but the level of exploration and reward and creativity in terms of aha moments i think are unlike anything else in games and so you know, oftentimes people make, and maybe it's like the glib comment or joke, like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't tell you what to do. It's just like, oh, bury it in menus. But I think what's refreshing about it, and again, as maybe like a putting on a pretentious analytical game critic or study hat, is that the game 100% tells you what to do, in my opinion. It just doesn't hold your hand through it. Like, you'll find a thing, potentially very early on, in terms of your grand scope of this quest that you you might not ever meet the person who sends you on the quest to tell you what that thing is used for <laughs> other than maybe selling it to the merchant to get, you know, some currency. You can do that. But also you'll have this thing where you'll, you'll find this quest giver who will tell you about this thing that then transports you to another part of the level that does this other thing. And then because you did this other thing before, you have this aha moment of like, oh, I can now do this to get this thing and it all comes together. And sometimes it gives you a powerful weapon, sometimes an armor set, sometimes nothing that you actually need where you are at that stage of your playthrough of the game. But that uh, to conflate terms like that emergent style gameplay that happens in the experience of allowing the player to either miss things entirely or find them in their own time feels really fresh versus The Ubisoft, or I think even the Horizon uh, Forbidden West style of gameplay where it's, you always, you get a thing, you know what it does, you can see the progress bar, like you need Mm -hmm. 10 more rabbit feet to get the thing to do the thing. And Elden Ring doesn't have that, but the information is in the game. It's just not blueprinted for you in the same way. And then the other thing that I think constantly blows me away is I re-explore old landscapes and get into new ones is every time I see a thing, there's always something interesting there. Like, and maybe part of that is because I don't necessarily know the thing that I'm getting is quote unquote worthless, you, you know? you Cause I don't, you, I do, a, I take down this big open world mini boss or whatever. then it's like, and you get an orb of pounds. And I'm like, I don't know what that does yet, but I still have that satisfaction of like achievement unlocked, you know, like that mm. nice, like you did a yeah. thing, you get a thing moment that i find so deeply rewarding and then that is layered into the combat being itself rewarding that 30 seconds of fun of you know getting by by the skin of my teeth or going out and grinding and coming back feeling like i'm op and then either being proven that i'm wrong because i get lazy and i try just to pound my way through a boss where i still need to respect its timing or going in and just mopping the floor of this thing that had been an impediment for hours before and feeling that satisfaction. I love how it kind of looks back at gaming's past in terms of that old, dare I say, Ultima-style approach of like pen and paper in the back of the instruction manual to be like, okay, um, divine worshiper Hendra needs me to do this thing. And I write that down in my first 10 hours of gameplay. I have no clue what that is. And then later someone's like, have you seen Hendra? And I'm like, huh? I have, I've seen Hendra. <laughs> you know, you have these, these moments. Um, I I remain blown away by it. I think playing it on Steam Deck is 100% the right way for me to play it. Mostly because of that sleep, weight function, sleep, wake, function. That is almost flawless um, in terms of, of, of working for me. Uh, and being able to dip in, dip out quickly, whereas on PC, it's just harder to do. And the last thing I'll say is I also think playing it on steam deck makes me think it's prettier. Whereas like on (laughs) PC or PS5, like I love the grotesque designs, but it's not horizon, right? Right. It's not, uh, you know, last of us, the remake, what we've seen on those videos. It's not that, right. It's not pushing graphical intensity in that way, but at the same time playing on my steam deck, I'm like. I'm playing on my Steam Deck. <laughs> which makes it okay. seem incredible.
1: So I love that you brought up uh, Ultima. You know, U- U- Ultima 7 is my favorite game of all time. Ultima, the series Ultima is my favorite franchise of all time. Um, we got an email from Daniel. Daniel Kane wrote in, uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Basically said, uh, Elden Ring is my new Ultima 6. And, talks, and it appealed to my love of Ultima games and talked about how... Uh, it has that same discovery joy that you were just talking about fun and exploration. um it's a, here's a quote from him. He says, uh, I'm not saying Jeff has to love the game or we'll find the same joy uh, but uh, the level and world design hasn't existed in any game to this level in my opinion since Ultima seven um, which Ultima is six or Ultima seven. I mean, he's saying uh, Ultima 6 was the game for him. And then Ultima 7 also did that. And, you know, so it it hasn't existed since 7. Um, Because 8 and 9 are garbage games. Um, (laughs) But I want to have this feeling so badly. I'm not anti-Elden Ring. I just haven't, it hasn't gotten its hooks in in me. And uh, Danish has uh, uh, offered to be my Sherpa and like be on with me. We just have to schedule that. It's bad because I'm bad at scheduling things. I want to get, I'm going to give it yet another shot. But the thing that I said on the episode that, that, that remains an impediment to me is that I, it's not that I need my hand held. I don't think that's the case. It is that I don't, I'm not drawn into the world. There's, I'm not curious about anything and maybe I just Mm -hmm. haven't found the thing to be curious about, but I'm not curious about what's around that next corner. I don't, it doesn't feel like there's there, there. Clearly I'm wrong because everybody that talks about this is like, Oh, the exploration is amazing. And there it's always new things to find. And I just haven't found that love. I just, I find the world drab and uninteresting. I, I'm not, I'm not curious about what's, or what's next. What was going to kill me next. Um, so I'm going to give, I I will give it yet another shot. I know Danish says he's going to, you know, help me through it and, and, and give me some, some Sherpa love, uh, so we'll see, we'll see, because I, you know, I love those ultimate games, and if if that's what it means to folks like Daniel and folks like you, Christian, then I want to, I want to experience that. I'm not I mean, anti-game.
0: What? Yes, totally. And what ultimately what I think you can't detach the game from is its combat, and so right. I, if like to me, I find that being part of that exploration that's so rewarding is you go to a place, and because it feels like a break or a reexamination of those other Souls games, we're now. Those other Souls games, it was like, is this gonna be the corner where the big thing comes out? No, oh, no, 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 Is this gonna be the corner where the big thing comes out? And because of this open world landscape, it's kind of got that mix of Am I not supposed to be in this level this part of the world at all? You know, like a lot of games mm-hmm. it will tell you, like all the enemies will have skulls over their heads. Right. And it's like you're come back here late game. And Elden Ring doesn't necessarily do that. I'll go through a part where it seems like I need to come back late game to then if I just run through and get to another part, it's like, Oh, I'm clearly allowed to be here now, (laughs) you know, like Uh this makes sense. And that is part of the discovery of, of finding those places where I am quote unquote allowed to play. And then having those moments of discovery of this very intense combat moment and, and seeing what that level design is like and what that area is like outside of the set, you know, traverse the mist style dungeons. Right. Um, but again, it, it will always go back to its combat, which if you don't find that rewarding and engaging, I don't think, you know, the best ice cream on top is going to make that medicine delicious. Right.
1: Well, I'm glad you love it. Clearly, I am in the minority here and in, in not sort of getting the game, not not it not jiving with me and uh and i i want it to change i do i do uh i don't want to rebuy it i have it on playstation as well i don't want to rebuy it on the pc but i'm tempted to give it a shot that way um but i'm i appreciate that you're uh, playing more of it and you're you know everybody loves that game everybody
0: my kids go to bed early we were in rooms where we we're all in the same room and then dad was like <laughs> tomas do you have a do you have an elden
1: ring opinion
2: I do. And, 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 uh, Krishna, I'm afraid you're not in the minority or Jeff isn't in the minority on this podcast. <laughs> Yay. I, so again, I'm very much with you. I want to love this game so badly. Uh, uh, I, so my experience with it, uh, I think was a bit tainted. Um, and so I need to go back to it, but I played it basically, uh, be, because I had downtime because I got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> um And so I was playing it in this like stupor uh. and and I wasn't really reading anything and I was just going through it. I think I spent four hours never having sat at any campfire or anything. So I didn't get a horse or the ability to level up. And I didn't know that I wasn't getting these things, <laughs> right. and I, and I was like, I was like, man, this game is real slow. I am walk like <laughs> I just keep walking back to the same place I died to get my experience back that I don't see a way to use, and and like then I would like fall asleep for a bit, and I, and uh, but I mean the world is is amazing. The I feel like their character and enemy design is it's just like as an artist that's been around a long you know while like looking at a lot of different designs it's it's just so creative and unique and and creates this very specific um kind of mystery and 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 uncanniness and and i love it so much but yeah i need to go back into it maybe in a more uh uh is sort of open an intelligent state where where i'm not just kind of like trying to brute force my way through to having fun i'm like the fun will start soon i just need to
1: kill a couple more things well um, no i think i do think that elden ring is the COVID of video games You're, i'm constantly asking myself did i get do i get it did i get it i don't think i i, maybe allergies? I got it. what's the test yeah. to know if i get this
0: i I mean along those lines whether it's danish or a guide i think part of my replaying it now on steam deck versus when i played it at first launch was there wasn't as much information or it was still kind of that community feel which a lot of people i think really love of like you have to follow the reddit thread because people are actively discovering things versus i'm not ashamed to be like you know what i haven't found the map for this area yet i feel like i've explored everywhere i'm going to find where's the map for this area. oh that,
1: there it is do you spend a great. lot of time on guides and like how do i level my character all that stuff I, i'm old not a to, lot of time i don't like doing that
0: well i mean i think maybe i keep pushing a lot of things to wednesday uh <laughs> maybe yeah. this is a, that style of conversation <laughs> yeah i not a lot of time but i'm not afraid to use them you know i right. think my time playing a lot of late game destiny 2 and dipping back into that over and over and over again especially because I go back for those big moments, but I've been away from it for so long that like, yeah, I'm going to read the guide and see where should I be? How do I maximize enjoying this new content to get into it? And Elden Ring's the same way I'm playing, I'm experiencing, I'm having tons of fun. And then I know I love the game. And then when there are moments where because of my lifestyle or because I'm just getting frustrated, yeah, let me go find out what a guide is. Am I approaching this boss? even conceptually correct (laughs) you know or like i think i've explored this whole world where is what is this thing i'll do a quick search find my answer and then dive back into the game and i'm not afraid to play a game on easy and i am not afraid to play a game with the guide open my friend
1: yeah yeah i mean this is we should bookmark this for a wednesday topic because i'm just i i just i'm so entrenched in, in 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 an old paradigm of playing that i i don't That's not fun to me. It's like traipsing through the internet looking for guides. That's not fun to me. But we'll talk about it in another context. Um, (laughs) I told you this was going to be a jam-packed episode. And I mean, we (laughs) haven't even gotten... um, My playlist is also jam-packed. I want to start first with uh, Spider-Man Remastered on the PC. uh, Because I got early access to that. I got a a code from Sony to play it. Uh, It is obviously one of my favorite games of the generation. I think that both Spider-Man games are fantastic nearly flawless so much fun uh delivers that spider-man everything you want out of a spider-man experience it, it, great story incredible traversal awesome combat i mean you know that spider-man is great already if there's any chance that you have a pc and you haven't played these game this game yet this should be a blind buy and i will tell you as a pc uh port which is what this is Uh, I think they did a a pretty darn good job. I had some issues with it when I first got it, but uh, there was a pre-launch patch that cleared all of that up. Uh, And uh, now I am enjoying it in glorious, super ultra-wide. It supports super ultra-wide naturally. And I got to tell you, Christian, that's the way you want to swing through New York City. (laughs) Enveloped in the world, uh, buildings all around you, the the super ultra-wide monitor, uh, oh, man. It, uh, if you can afford it in a super ultra wide, I highly recommend it. And this is a game that shows it off. It is woo, very pretty, very pretty. And um, so I, I, you know, Spider-Man remastered on PC also plays great on Steam Deck. I played it on Steam Deck as well. I mean, hard for me to want to play it like that when I have the super ultra wide ability. Uh, but, you know, it's great that it works and it. it, it there's no issues uh, that I encountered on Steam Deck. It was it pretty darn good. Other than the fact that it, you know, Uses a battery life pretty intensely, but um very, you very. To
0: web it, web it to an outlet, and then yeah, web to it go. to an outlet. Yeah,
1: make the portable game not portable. That's that's the best part.
0: It's still portable. You just go to your friend's house and go. Can I plug in? You know, that's
1: all it's got <laughs> can I just sit in the corner here <laughs> next to the outlet? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I also, I, I should touch on Rumbleverse uh, a little bit uh because that is a free to play game that just came out on the Epic Game Store. Uh, this is a, uh, a a battle royale style brawler, which I think is a brilliant idea. Instead of uh, a you know, all of these uh, shooters, basically, uh, you know, ranged. You, you play ranged battle royales almost exclusively. Every battle royale game, you see a guy, you shoot him, right? Ah, not here, not in Rumbleverse. You have to run up to him and smack him. In fact, the game is is all about verticality. And it's all about trying to knock people uh, off uh, the highest building uh, as far as you can onto the ground to do the biggest damage. Or even better, leap from a high point, point yourself and elbow drop them from way up or, uh, or suplex them from a high building. Uh, all of that stuff. Very, very cool. But I got to tell you, the, my first impression of this game, I've played several hours of it, not great. I, I wanted to love this. I wanted to love this. And I just, it didn't give me the fun that I got out of, for example, Multiversus, which, you know, different genres. That's a 2D fighter, like a Super Smash Brothers fighter. But I raved about that last week, also free to play. This did not give me that immediate level of joy that I thought it would. I was like, oh, this idea is going to be my jam. I'm going to love this. But uh, it uh it didn't click for me. I think it's because the, the the animations feel very clunky. I feel like I get caught in animation cycles. It doesn't I I I see somebody across the way I'm sprinting towards them and I get smacked by something else. It it doesn't I mean even um uh what call it? Uh Knockdown City, what is it called? Knock what is it? Knockout City? Knockout City. Thank you. Uh, even Knockout City, I immediately was having fun playing that game. Uh and I, I just I I know folks have been very positive about Rumbleverse I didn't find the fun in it, um, but maybe uh, we will get emails of people saying, hey, this is how you play it. Or, you know, I played it a lot pre-launch, so maybe post-launch uh, the community is a little bit more fun. I don't know. I didn't love it, but I tend to not love the Battle Royale games in general. Um, I'll tell you a game I do love. I do love with my whole heart, and it has leapt to the top of my games of the year list. <laughs> not the very top, maybe, but close. Cult of the Lamb. Holy moly, is this game awesome! This is a new Devolver Digital, uh, roguelike mixed with a. It's, it's what if, what if Rogue Legacy and Animal Crossing had a baby? Uh, and, and that baby was demonic. <laughs> <laughs> Cult of the Lamb. I love this game. I love this game. I'm a sucker for roguelites. Everybody knows that that listens to the show. Uh, this is a top-tier roguelike. It, it reminds me of um, of Hades in, in a lot of ways in just how tight and fun the pure action combat is. Um, you play as a lamb who s- founds a demonic cult, which, I'll be honest, isn't a premise that immediately hooked me. Isn't a pre- <laughs> premise where I'm like, well, I got to play that game. I was like, man, you know, I'm not super excited about that game. I did get a code for this. Jumped in, gave it a shot, and man, I love it. Not only are you going into these arenas uh, Hades style and doing a roguelike, you know, room-to-room, randomized rooms, you go into a room, uh, every time you start uh, a venture into the uh, the action section of the game, you get a randomized uh, weapon and magical ability. Um, You can level up those things and get cooler and cooler ones. But basically, you you know, you you don't know what kind of weapon you're gonna get when you start, which is really interesting. It adds variety. And uh in the course of going through those rooms, you can get these tarot cards that give you all kinds of ways to break the rules and do things in interesting ways. You always get a choice between two tarot cards. So you're you're making interesting choices about what you want to prioritize, how you want to build your loadout in a very roguelike way. But I have it's interesting Tomas, uh, 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 Tomas, um you mentioned this uh earlier uh in talking about uh what was the game that you mentioned it um uh maybe it was uh, Kirby this notion of having very satisfying hits and and um reaction uh, I can't remember the phrase you used but the uh the like the hit pause the, hit pause thank yeah. you I have realized that the roguelikes that I really love have satisfying sort of visceral feedback when it comes to just the pure combat. And I think Cult of the Lamb does that so well. You can smash nearly everything in this game. And when you smash stuff, it feels really good using the weapon. And the stuff that you smash has little bits that fly off and fly everywhere. There's debris and stuff. And there's this entire layer of the game that is, uh, that is like the, the Animal Crossing style city building. You're building a, a cult. You have to cultivate followers. You have to maintain their attitudes about certain things. You have to make sure they're loyal. You have to feed them. You have to clean up their poop. Because cultists, it turns out, just poop anywhere, which is ridiculous. Uh, I spent a lot of time cleaning up poop in this game and and puke as well. And it is visceral and satisfying yeah, every time. The hit pause is amazing. Well, no, what's amazing? What's amazing is so you're also you know planting. You know you have to have farms and feed your 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 flock and all that stuff. And uh, every time you pick up poop, you collect fertilizer. So it's like, hey, uh, this wasn't just a, this wasn't just you know, oh, useless yeah. work. I actually get fertilizer that I can then put into my plants and make them grow faster. And that's how this game is. Everything that you do, there are so many resources that are needed in in doing various things. Everything that you do results in getting something useful. So even like just the fun smacking of the grass, you know, it's Zelda style where you can hack at grass Sometimes grass will pop out, and you can make food out of grass, or you can use you can use grass to create decorations for your cult. Um, every single thing you smack a, a, a you know this wooden statue, uh, lumber comes out. You need lumber or stone things. Sometimes those things pop out, and it's so satisfying the way they pop out and the way that you collect them. And there's all these levels of resources that you need to collect that you have to maintain. So you have this one side of the game where you're doing this very fun action combat. That is very much like a Hades or uh, any other. What, uh, you what, know, even what game? What game? I know you're not familiar with that game. It's a game that came out a couple of years ago. It's uh, mm-hmm. hard to remember, but um, check it out sometime. Yeah, you should. It, it, it so room to room, awesome comment. Walk into a room. It's it's a it's it's a little bespoke arena where crazy enemies are coming at you. You got to figure out how to do that. You have a finite set of health that is for your entire run. Uh, you end up end in in each of these. Um, Dungeons with a boss collecting stuff along the way. But at the same time, while you're doing that, day night cycles happening in your cult where people are getting hungry, getting sick, need uh, questioning their faith, needing to be tended to. So you have to go back to your temple, have a sermon to raise their faith again, do a <laughs> ritual, maybe even marry one of your followers or sacrifice one of them to the gods or turn them into a demon all this crazy stuff that you can do with your, with your cult uh, that is so interesting and so fun. You level up, you get new doctrines based on their, their devotion to you. Uh, You can use that to level up new doctrines and decide how you want to make your cult. If you want to make it really dark or uh, you know, and then there'll be, uh, there'll be cultists that lose their faith and start preaching to other cultists. Like, Hey, maybe this guy's full of it and not, not, and then you have to like deal with that person. So, do you deal with them publicly and everyone can see, or do you like put them in the stockades? You have to build stockades. You can put them in the stockades to teach them the lesson. Dude, there's so much to this game. The graphic style is awesome. And it has this very cool uh, sort of uh, papercraft look to it. I am in love with Cult of the Lamb. I've been playing it obsessively. It plays great on on uh, Steam Deck, even though they say it doesn't. The text is is pretty tiny. So I think that's why it gets knocked as not, you know, perfect on Steam Deck. But I, I didn't find the text to be too tiny to read. Um, and it just has such satisfying combat, satisfying layers. Uh, I, you know, I'm not one who loves a lot of uh, Animal Crossing style, uh, you know, Farmville or, or Stardew Valley. I'm not the guy who who's, spends a lot of time playing those games and loves uh, making farms and making everything just so. But man i 'm digging that element of this game because at any point I can go hey i 'm just going to go off and have some some cool hades style roguelike fun and you know and and so it 's got these two halves that i 'm constantly balancing. I feel like the the subtitle of this game should be a uh, a cult leader 's work is never done <laughs> because that 's how I feel there 's always something interesting to do, always some new decision to be made. It ramps up really well, it has an awesome. I think first few hours where everything feels easy or maybe not easy, but you feel powerful and you're like, Oh, I'm just churning through stuff. And then it ramps up the difficulty in a really interesting way where you kind of already have your head around the systems and what you need. It's just really well designed, super tons of personality. Uh, You know, you're, you're, you can, every time you get a new follower, you can design how they look uh, and you can unlock new looks. And then you, all of a sudden it opens up this map to the entire world where you're going to other places and you can go fishing. And it's just, it's great. Cult of the lamb. I love this game.
0: I love that. What animal crossing was missing for you for years was poop. Like that was what, uh, yeah, if
1: only I had poop, (laughs) maybe it may. Does Elden ring have poop?
0: I mean, not that I've found yet, but probably, (laughs) Uh, maybe one of the things, maybe an orb of something I actually decraft and it becomes poop later. I, I think if it's we'll an orb,
1: there. you should see a
0: doctor <laughs> That's or
2: some sort of uh traveling circus, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey,
1: potential income.
2: Um, but yeah, no, Call <laughs> to the Lamb looks amazing. I, I haven't played it yet. My wife was playing it like all yesterday and uh. And yeah, I just kept peeking over at it and it looks so satisfying. I'm, I'm generally a hard sell in terms of that 2.5 D kind of like, I don't know. I just like it when it's full 3d, like Mm. there's something that feels like cheapened, but this game, I feel like pulls it off. So, I mean, it's clear that they really put a lot of effort into kind of that crunchy, satisfying, uh, uh, feel of the combat and, it just has so much personality. And for me personally, like obviously we're trying to do something s- somewhat like this with the style of Begone beast, but there's like that putting that kind of cute, cute characters into this world of, of demonic kind of like, uh, uh you know, un, un, uh, 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 digestible, like sort of unknowable horrors is like, I love that sort of connecting tissue there. And yeah. And, it, it just it seems really
1: awesome. I think you would really dig uh, th- the animation. Uh, they, they do a lot of really fun stuff. You know, you can unlock these rituals and you have all these cutesy little characters, you know, that are kind of anthropomorphized to animals. You know, you are a lamb, but you can get all kinds of different like deer and, and yeah, cats yeah. and stuff. And they're like, eh, eh. and there's no uh, actual spoken dialogue. It's all that sort of gibberish language yeah, that you can yeah. get. And they're like, hey, eh, and you, you stand on the thing you're like ah, and then like a tentacle comes out of the ground and like squeezes the life out of one of them and they're mm-hmm.
0: all like ah, leader, you know <laughs> it's
1: very funny in a very dark way but uh right yeah it's yeah it's it, there's so so many surprises in the game too and and i it just feels like it, it unfolds in a really organic cool way and we're like oh there's always something really neat to be doing next um i just super impressed with it it's exactly what i love out of roguelikes where it's like every moment of it i feel like isn't wasted i feel like i'm moving forward even on a a run where i die before i get to the end of it i I get something out of it uh i i I, there's always something else i want to be doing there's always some reason i'm like oh five more minutes five more minutes i can do something cool yeah
2: yeah like hades did that so well with just sort of like when you die you're like oh man and then you're like oh I'm excited for the things I get to do now Exactly this other phase of the game where I have new resources to spend. And, you know, it's like, it's almost like you're excited to die.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. And I love that. That's what I love most about Rogue Legacy. Rogue Legacy does that really well, too. It's like every death is a new opportunity instead of a punishment. Yeah. Um. So super recommend Cult of the Lamb. The other thing I want to say real quick, Christian, I know we're getting long on time, but the other thing standing in the way of me trying Elden Ring again is... Uh, I reinstalled Heroes of the Storm, and it's not my fault. Lana Bashinsky did it. She, Lana, she texted me and she's like, "We're playing the Heroes of the Storm. You want to?" And I and I was like, "Uh, I haven't touched that game in three years, but okay." And oh my god, I—it's like this little part of me came back to life, Christian. This little beautiful part of me. And I know the game is officially dead now, but there's still people playing it. And I played with Lana and her her friends, her fiance and her friends, and it was so much fun. And the 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 worst part about it here is what happened: is I reinstalled the game, and the first two matches I played, I won. And I was like, "Oh, this feels really good. Man. <laughs> I love this. I love this." So I don't know. It's not good, Christian. It's not good. I think about it a lot. I think about, I mean I'm playing a lot of Cult of the Lamb, but also I can steal 25 minutes to jump in and play a game of Heroes of the Storm
0: no that's i i totally understand that here's the storm to you is uh the amount of tinkering i did with my analog pocket and getting my carts and sourcing my roms and you know finding old rips that i had and then like i texted my brother and i was like well i've played video games for four hours today and by that i mean i've played zero games (laughs) but look at my library (laughs) look how i have it organized Uh, i I (laughs) I love street fighter alpha three on gba for you know two hours
1: (laughs) I truly love that game. I truly love that game. It's such a shame that it got, it never caught on and it didn't, and Blizzard has abandoned it now. It, it, it just, I love it so much. I love it so much. Anyway, it's, it's bad for my free time-ness. <laughs> I mean, all that. Three, it was like three years ago. I looked at my, it literally was almost exactly three years and that I that I played it. And now all I want to do is play it.
0: All, all right. right. It, You're playing Cult of the Lamb in real life, right? You can go and play this really fun Heroes of the Storm game for like twenty five minutes. But meanwhile, your kids are pooping everywhere, (laughs) and so you gotta (laughs) fertilizer. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta come back over there and make your kids love you again. So you like do a little dance or like you know sacrifice somebody else in the community. Everybody's hungry, and
1: (laughs) and, uh, and my my lawn is dying.
0: It's summertime. It's all. It's very very similar. You can renew your vows with your wife and then you can go play more Heroes of the Storm. So it's got this really cool.
1: The only bad part is that that ritual I did with the tentacle coming out of the ground. I, my neighbors were very unhappy. Um, all right. Well, I, we, I told you there was gonna be a jam-packed episode. We've gone way long and we didn't even get all this cool stuff we could talk about. That's okay. Uh, this has been an awesome episode and uh, Tomas, thank you so much for being here. It's been awesome talking to you.
2: It's my pleasure. This has been great.
1: You Very cool. Are fantastic. Uh, tell folks where they can keep up with you and, and the stuff that you are doing.
2: Yeah, so uh, BeGoneBeast.com is the best place right now. And if you sign up for our email list, you can join us on our development journey. We'll be, that's where uh, you'll get the updates for uh, new playtests. And boy, are we going to do a lot of playtesting because this is a systems-based game. So we need your feedback. So help us out. Come on and join the community. Yeah, it looks
1: great. I cannot, cannot wait to play it. Uh, begonebeast.com Christian Spicer what about you what do you got going on this week
0: well, I have a newsletter I, I was gone for a bit but I got back and replied to everybody I think that from the last one so thank you to everybody that read and replied to that it is uh, you can find it for free at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer and then I do video versions later after the newsletter goes out of that newsletter that you can find on our Patreon for this show patreon.com slash DLC pod I have not done a video version for this last one yet because I released a newsletter and then was like peace and uh, went to the woods for a very long time, which I should say, Steam Deck in the woods, like you can't you know web it to an outlet in the same way. But uh, I I played just a teensiest bit of Resident Evil Village, like backcountry camping uh, in Wyoming. Bad idea, just bad. I was like, I need to do this. And I was like, why am I doing this? Uh, but very cool. Um, and then if you want to get in touch with me, I am on Twitter at Spicer, but I'm not there much. The best way would actually be popping into our discord, hanging out and joining those cool conversations. And you can uh, find me there and be a part of the, the little community we have here.
1: Yes. And and Christian is back, which means video versions of the show are back because, you know, he's gone. I couldn't I couldn't be bothered to do that by myself.
0: Come on now, uh,
1: no. but I mean, video no, versions are back.
0: wide. You don't have the screen reels. Uh, yes. <laughs> where can I put, where can I put another window on?
1: <laughs> uh, so I'm very excited that the uh, video versions are back. Uh, patrons uh, get those right away uh, at uh, patreoncom slash DLC pod. And also our Wednesday show. Super fun. have been loving, loving those. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Also, I have other shows that you can check out. I have The Film Cast, which is about movies and TV shows. You can find that uh, anywhere you get podcasts, really. The Film Cast. Also, I do We Have Concerns, which is a comedy science show where you can learn something and laugh along the way. Uh, you can find that wherever you get podcasts as well. And I'm doing uh, The uh, Fan-Controlled Show, which is for fan-controlled sports and entertainment. Uh, You used to hear me say fan-controlled football. It's still fan-controlled football, but now they're adding basketball as well. Fan-controlled hoops is coming soon. So uh, fan-controlled sports entertainment, we're doing uh, all the sports. It's gonna be super fun. Check that out at fcf, uh, or excuse me, at twitch.tv slash fcf. It's also on YouTube now. It's a podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Fan-controlled show, check that out as well. All right, let's wrap the show up. With our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do
0: this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift.
1: Tomash, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week?
2: Oh yeah. So uh, I've been revisiting a show that's a little older now, but um, still, still relatively not too old. But uh, it is about to be autumn. It's about to be Halloween time. This is my favorite time of the year. Get that spooky fun going on. And there's a show, a mini series called Over the Garden Wall, which I absolutely adore. It's a huge inspiration, actually, for the game I'm creating. Um, it it sort of follows these uh, two kids through the land of the unknown, which is sort of this uh, dreamlike uh americana spooky uh world full of full of really bizarre creatures and people and uh it's just it's got a lot of heart it's very funny and um full of that kind of autumnal loneliness and spooky vibe that that i'm really into so if you think you are into that as well i would highly highly recommend over the garden wall
1: i have to check this out i have not seen this over the garden wall uh do you know where it's available streaming by any chance Um,
2: I think I, that, that's probably why a lot of people haven't seen it. I think I had to buy it on Mm. Amazon. I don't know. Um, maybe it's on something else now, but since I own it there, that's where I watch it. But, uh, but it's well worth the purchase. Uh, if you're, if you're interested in that kind of thing, and it's got great music as well. Um, really, really amazing music.
1: looks like the voice cast includes Elijah Wood and Christopher Lloyd and Tim Curry and B.B. Newworth. Wow. Chris Isaac, Thomas Lennon. Wow. Really cool people. John Cleese. Amazing.
0: Over the garden wall is what it's called. Uh, Christian Spicer, what about you? What's your parting gift? A new novel came out. It's called Heat 2, which, uh, believe it or not, is the sequel to the movie Heat. Still heating. Michael Mann Mann, uh, partnered with Meg Gardner um, to create this novel that is a full sequel to the 1995 film Heat. Uh, a film I love, I love Michael Mann. I talked about my love for Michael Mann a little bit, I think on a parting gift months ago when Tokyo vice came out on HBO max and Tokyo vice has its hits and misses, but it really, I think, especially that pilot that Michael Mann directed showcases so much what I love about his work. And, uh, Michael Mann, I, I feel like has a love for nighttime that seems very similar to my love of nighttime. Um, For a while earlier in the pandemic, I would tweet out just late night walk pictures. Like I find that atmosphere that you can just find walking through your neighborhood late at night when everybody else is kind of asleep and maybe the humidity settles down. And I don't know, I think Michael Mann has constantly been exploring and poking and prodding at ways to capture that authentic night on cinema which is hard, you know, for um, collateral damage. I think he filmed the whole thing on a Canon 5D because he wanted that crunchiness of like old digital style nighttime. And uh, Heat as well is, he also, Michael Mann loves LA, which I think is part of why I I love his uh, aesthetic. Heat is very much that night LA time. And of course it's Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer, a uh, very young, like a twelve or maybe fourteen year old Natalie Portman, I think, also is in it. Who I forgot. And the sequel, this novel, is fantastic. It just came out. I've blown through it, and it is a Godfather two, yeah, Godfather two style, where there's you know current time picking up right after the film ends, some some ahead of time, and some flashback time that brings these characters to life. And, and even when he first came out, Michael Mann talked about how this is a world and how much world building he did to get. And that's part of what brought Al Pacino and Robert De Niro to the, the project. I think it was the first time they shared the screen together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he built this whole universe. Like these characters were a huge, you know, established lived in characters. And now in the novel, he gets to explore them more. And I think it's a fascinating way to approach revisiting an old project where like these actors are so much older now instead of like going the digital D make, and I'll probably do a film or Netflix version of this show of this book at some point because I imagine it's it's already wildly successful this book it just came out what two four days ago um but a really interesting way to do it and coming from Michael Mann and partnering with uh Meg Gardner as well who's an established novelist to bring it to book format uh, just incredible. It is not a light read. Uh, and there's not a, a breezy read. I should say it is very still Michael Mann and, you know, young children being caught in crossfire and, you know, it's the heat universe. But if you have any fondness for that or Michael Mann's work, I cannot recommend heat to a novel any higher. It's fantastic. Very cool. Uh, my parting gift is
1: a show that is on the Peacock streaming service. Uh, it is called The Resort, and it has really hooked me. I think this is from the same creator that did uh, Palm Springs, which is one of my favorite movies of last year, two years ago. Um, and I don't really know exactly what's going on with this show, but I kind of love it. There's only been five episodes so far. I didn't realize that. We, uh, we blew through the first five, and at the end of the, first, the, the fifth episode, I went, where's the next one? Oh no, this wasn't all released at once. There's, I have to wait a week. Uh, So I am heartbroken that I, I, because each episode ends with a really wonderful kind of cliffhanger and the cliffhanger in the last episode is, or the fifth episode is uh, pretty good. Um, There's clearly some, sci-fi st- stuff going on, but I'm not really sure. It's basically about these two people, uh, a husband and wife that are celebrating their 10th wedding anniversary. Their their marriage is kind of, you know, gotten a little uh, stale. They're, they're taking each other for granted a little bit. So they they go to this resort and while they're there, uh, the woman finds a cell phone from 2007 uh, that has some, some strange pictures and it's from somebody that disappeared in 2007. And so they start investigating this mystery in this crazy resort. Uh, and it kind of brings them closer together as a couple. And then stuff gets real weird. And I, like I said, I think there's supernatural or, or sci-fi elements, but I don't know for sure. It's just, ah, uh, it's like right on the cusp of knowing what the real premise for the show is. But I'm into it. It's called The Resort. It's on Peacock. And uh,
0: I I I'm into it. I'm into it look at you loving peacock over there you're like a you know my number one peacock fan i feel like your players oh dude. Uh, well no play, and, players is on paramount plus oh is it never mind i never mind they're all p streaming services yeah, to it's, me i don't yeah. know <laughs> well you
1: gotta watch your p stream that's
0: terrible <laughs> uh, okay uh, no, no 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 hold on good let's live in that moment for a little bit <laughs> no, no. now we can move on. uh <laughs> Wreckfest. Sorry. Um, we
1: got a <laughs> listener suggestion. <Whoa>. <laughs> we got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at DLCfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Goran. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It has umlauts. So I'm not really sure. Goran, uh, Goran writes, uh, Hey, thanks for making the most essential listening all week. Ah, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I have a parting gift. I think you and a lot of people might appreciate I got into adventure books during the pandemic for obvious reasons, and there is a great modern one being produced called Legendary Kingdoms. It's an open world adventure book series where each book is set in an area of the world and you can travel in the world and do quests and stuff. Simple dice driven gameplay that's just great fun. You can buy the books online and they do a Kickstarter for each book. The third one is live right now. Highly recommended. Well, wow, that cool. took me back so
2: instantly. I have actually a really old adventure book like mounted on my wall right now of Dinosaur Dilemma, a Mario adventure book. Oh, wow. I don't know if that's the same adventure books uh, that, that that they're referring to, like in terms of the brand. But wow, I just like didn't know that that was modern. There's modern iterations of this this style of book writing. That's
1: awesome. Amazing. Yeah, no, it uh, looks like Legendary Kingdom's Pirates of Splintered Isles is the la- latest one uh the third book in the uh, legendary kingdoms rpg game series epic choose your own adventure style game book set in a sandbox fantasy world what a cool thing i didn't even know this was a thing this is yeah. amazing over 900 sections per book 12 hours of gameplay per book ages 12 and up
2: wow what if cool. there's an there's an elden ring of adventure books <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, you yeah, have to rip this page out <laughs> right exactly <laughs> amazing uh is there poop in this book anyway um the, uh, thank you very much for sending that to us you can send your parting gifts if you'd like to hear them right on the show to dlcfeedback at gmail.com we love hearing from you all right that's it for this episode of dlc this, uh, this has been a super fun one. Uh, thanks again to Tomasz Jek and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those cool bumpers. Thanks for our show theme song to White Cube. That's Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. And thanks to each and every one of you for listening. We also have special thanks to our patrons, our top-level patrons, our hype train patrons they get shouted out at the end of every episode so uh, i think christian is going to do that right now
0: who i'm back and then I, uh, I get to thank everybody all these hype train all of you hype train patrons for making this show possible and also making it possible for me to, to step out for a couple of weeks and uh, as i mentioned at the top of the show Leave the show in such incredible hands. It uh it means the world to me, and I can't wait to talk more about uh my adventures maybe on a upcoming paid DLC or, or just perhaps through the main show as we kind of progress here. Um but yes, thank you, Jason Novak, Octavian Ratziu, Christian Bravery, Jad, Peter Olberg, Michael Buck, Mike Lombardo, Spiceman Silencer, Albert Verhilda Dios, Spiceman Forever, Stu Goss, Kevin Brazzle, Ben, Dan Palmino, Malcolm King, Mark Gowland, Jonathan Putney, Will with 1L Harris, Chris Zacharias, Jonathan Talbert, Scooby Diesel, Adam Denby, Sasan, Dan Flanagan, Anthony Goulas, Andy Joyce, Matt Valdez, John Sisko, David Epp, Taylor Wiggert, Josh Peake, Nick Strauss-Klein, Michael Stadler, Jackson, Travis, Soren Silk, Yick, Zachary White, Nate, Jenny, Scott Hughes, Jimmy Radcliffe, Mitchell Ness, Jeff Luckzak, Matt Bradley, Victor Venezuela, Cheesy Bob, Hank Patton, Rob Rixman, Riley Knox, Kyle Starr, Michael S., Relentless Rex, Curtis from Louisville, comedian Adam Trahan, Shoruken. Hold on, I can I can do it better than that. Rukin No, that's not quite right. That sounds pretty good. That was like pretty powerful, right? That was pretty it powerful. All right. Thank you all so much. It means the world to us.
1: Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.